I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Wanna be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackcompat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade on the Street Inc., Wicked Anime, and Black Compat proudly present Duckamuck in Japan. Bastards and witches, welcome to episode 7 of Duck Amuck in Japan. The 2023 Muckies. I am your King Baby Duck Gavin Borgo. And joining me as always is our Pokemon Master and unfortunate uh, flu victim right now, Elite Four Derek. Um, I have Pokerus, which is... Honestly, bad and good because it's really hard to get Pokerus on one of your actual Pokemon in the game. So I, I have that. No, do you guys know what Pokerus is? Is it missing though? No, no, it's this hidden thing in the coding that like one out of every, let's say, 50,000 has this virus we'll call it covid but if that pokemon gets that virus um all of its evs actually get uh multiplied by two while you're training it Uh evs effort values um kind of going into like geek mode pokemon but yeah um pokemon gross Now, we trained them with the best shit we had available. Anyway, the creator of Solarian Sun AFLM. Hi, I'm here. Yeah. And our Tetris master and unfortunate COVID victim, John Starr. Hi. <laughs> yeah, well, um, none of those helped you towards uh, deflecting COVID. So... I'm still sitting on, you know, Nintendo Pride. I'm playing a Nintendo right now. Ah, very nice. But today's episode, it is the final episode of 2023 because we've got Christmas, we've got New Year's. I've got family visiting here in Tokyo. So today we're going to look at the best and worst in anime, gaming, music, and movies. Maybe talk about a little life highlight here and there of 2023. And also, we've got some stories to tell, things I've experienced, and I think John Star also has a little show on Netflix that has been 
uh, hyping up this past year, and let's see whether or not the hype was real. Oh, is that now? No, no, no. No, no, we'll do that. No, no, no. Hold on. Before we go on, before we go on, um, what family's visiting you? That's honestly great to hear. So my mom is visiting for two weeks in Tokyo, so she'll be spending Christmas and New Year's with me. Oh, rock on, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know we talked about this last episode, but still, that's so great. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm hoping I get to show her why I love this country so much. (laughs) Nice. Is this her first time in in Japan? Uh, This is actually going to be her first time outside of North America. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So her first time experiencing any foreign country that wasn't Canada. I'm actually surprised about that uh, with your parents. They seem so of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do get what you mean. And yeah, this is, I believe, the first time outside of North America. Well, you mentioned Canada, so they obviously have visas. Yes. Well, not visas. They have their passports. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's just so honestly great to hear that they're visiting you, you know, so close. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Is you it know, is it just your mom? Just my mom, just my mom. So guys, I've got quite an interesting story to tell you. And um, you guys probably know what it is I'm talking about, but for my listeners, I've had quite an interesting week. So last Sunday, I am leaving my apartment because I'm about to do some grocery shopping. And I noticed a lot of stuff was being thrown out in the trash section of my apartment. Um, I am not sure if the owner just like left all their stuff and ditched their place, or like they never paid their rent and had all their shit thrown out, or they just did a just a big massive cleaning day and just got rid of shit that just they didn't need. And I noticed that within that junk there was a soft guitar case in there. And I initially ignored it, but my curiosity got the best of me. So I opened up the case and I found inside a six string Buskers electric guitar. Ooh, that's wild. Yes. And it's one that's modeled Uh, after a Stratocaster. Straight, straight electric or like, um, an acoustic electric hybrid. Nope, straight up electric guitar. Oh, uh, yes. So I messaged the boys, all of the guys here on this show, and you all agreed, take the guitar. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So I took the guitar alongside the amp that went with it, but the amp was missing the outlet plug for it. Uh, oh. So I wasn't yeah, sure that, what to do that's about That's easy to find. Right, I'll get to that. So I bring it to my apartment. Oh wait, but but because of different um, power sources. No, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Different okay. plugs. Yeah. yeah, that's where I was going. Yeah. So I bring it to my apartment. I loosen the strings and I clean off every aspect of it. And I swear, um, I took it took about. 20 paper towels to wipe off what seemed to be like 20 to 30 can, years can worth. I, can of I cigarette ask smoke. you what else you use to clean the guitar? 
Um, the same stuff that I used to, to clean off my um, kitchen counters. All right. So you, you cleaned off, you, you cleaned off uh, what now? From the guitar? The neck of the guitar. Well, basically everything uh, of the guitar. and it The strings. Like- he, he wiped off the strings of the guitar using kitchen cleaner. Yes, uh-huh. I did. And the neck. I used it. Well, I loosened the strings so I can get to the neck. And there must have been like 20 to 30 years worth of cigarette smoke on there. <laughs> no, no, no. The strings replaced them. Um, the you, rest you is what you want to treat. How, how? What was Sorry. the condition of the strings? Were they were they rusted? Like were no, they brown? No, no. The rest, no, not rusted at all. They're still in great condition. Yeah, but how long have they been sitting there? I don't know. That's the that's the question. Yes. Yeah, so there's there's possibly no recourse towards getting them back. So. What you have is a really great guitar body mm-hmm. that you can refinish, and you need new strings. Yeah, but I don't know how to replace strings. Yeah, well, that's easy. Yeah, it's easy enough. You can get it. You can you can restring it. No problem. You can you can either pay someone like sixty bucks to restring it yourself, or you can go on YouTube. All right, let's hear the end of the story. Let's get to the end of the story. Well, I'm yep. not even at the end. I'm not still at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in the guitar case, had its own share of treasures. So, I found in there music sheets. I found a thing of Ernie Ball Super Slinky guitar strings. Super Slinky. I love those. Oh, my God. Let the man finish his story. I know. I, I, I stopped, and I was letting him finish his story. I also found in there a plastic Donald and Daisy Duck Tokyo Disneyland wallet, which must have been like at least 30 years old in there. And inside of those, there were two pieces of paper with a bunch of numbers on it, a key of sorts, a one yen coin, and a piece of paper with a bunch of kanji on it. And on the zipper of it was some kanji. So where I was asking about how to make it sound musically perfect, you decided to go away from that and mention all the other stuff that came away from it. Right. So I'm just going to put that down and I'm going to say who's concentrated more on musical efficacy. I have no idea. So, the mystery of this guitar just kept on perplexing me, so I brought it to the one person who I thought could help figure it out, and that's my friend Mari from the band Sushi Mami Ray. So, <laughs> I go to see her at her shop, and I catch up with her because she had just gotten back from America. Um, she also had an amp at her store, but she didn't have a guitar plug with her, so I couldn't see if it worked at all. So, we looked deep into the stuff that was in the guitar case. So the music sheets were songs from uh, the Japanese rock bands, Lock on Ciel and the Gazette. Oh, wow. And the Gazette sheet was 20 years old and the Lock on Ciel one was 15 years old. So then we get to the Donald and Daisy deck wallet and on the kanji, 
the name Chiharu was written on there, which is a girl's name. And we first mm -hmm. figured this must have been the girlfriend of the guitarist. The two pieces of paper that were filled with numbers, those were train schedules from 2005. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Expired. The key was a drum tightener, so I gave that to Mari so her drummer in the band, Michael, can use it. The one yen coin was just a coin. But then we got to the piece of paper with kanji in it. And on there was a luck charm for the Shinto god Bishamonten, who is the god of fortune in war and battles. Explain that more. So, Bishamonten is also associated with authority and dignity. Um, according to both Shinto and Hinduism, he is a protector of those who follow the rules and behave appropriately. What similarities do you find between the Hinto and Japanese beliefs? They're kind of different. Shinto and Buddhism have a little bit more in common than Shinto and Hinduism. Oh my god, if anyone has read the Tao of Pooh, you know, that would be amazing. Um, it's all about karma. It's all about doing what you do um, as a human, I guess. And then people reflecting on what you do as a human. So this charm also came from the Shiogama Shrine in the Miyagi Prefecture, which is uh, about three hours from Tokyo, I believe. <laughs> and then we got to the super slinky guitar strings, which were old, but still in perfect working conditions. So, and the size of the strings, Mari pointed out, they were strings that are made for female guitar players. So meaning that Chiharu wasn't the girlfriend of the guitarist, she is the actual guitarist. She is the owner of this guitar. Like, super stretchy. Really? I, I actually had no idea that there were female guitar strings. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is there something that's completely, like, super stretchy? I'm not entirely I'm not sure. I, I didn't ask Mari, but she did point out that she uses very similar strings for her guitar. That's fascinating. Interesting. Is it left? Tension, you know. I don't know. Oh, no. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. Know. After I had visited Amari, she pointed me in the direction of a music store near her near her fashion store, one called the Taishido Music Instrument Store Company, and I bought a guitar pick from her as a thank you for all of her assistance with this. I went to the store, showed them the guitar, and told them that I don't even know if it even worked. So they plugged it into the amp, turned it on, strummed the notes, and played perfectly over the speaker. So at that point, I knew that the guitar worked. But then came the part about trying to find a plug for the amp, which wound up being almost impossible. So I went to, I went to a Seiyu store, which is an electronic store. They had nothing. And then I went to Shibuya, and I went to three guitar shops, a big camera shop, a Lambi electronic store, and the Don Quixote. Nothing. So I just went on Amazon, fortunately found one there, and placed an order, and it arrived on Thursday. Nice. 
I set everything up. I plugged it in. I turn on the speaker and... And that, my friends, is how I managed to score a free electric guitar and amp. You're gonna, you're gonna have to do some ADR. I, uh, I, I don't think any audio came over your mic. Yeah. We didn't oh, hear really? It. You didn't hear anything? Yeah. No, it, I think that it, it, it automatically drowned out the back room, yeah, background noise. Yeah, I heard nothing. Let me see. Uh, Can you hear that? Two dead silence. Just dead said silence. Really? That is yeah. weird. I think uh, it's I think it's a uh, a noise an automatic noise canceller for uh, background noise. It's uh, all right. Like I said, <laughs> just do some post processing ADR. Oh my gosh, Evan, that's amazing. There you go. That's the end of it. <laughs> I I actually do have a theory about the coin. Um, so. In theory, because the luck charm was in the uh, case with the coin, I think that it was somebody, you know, superstitiously, perhaps, but somebody waiting for the coin to multiply inside of the case. Either that or um, a a one yen piece makes a perfect guitar pick. I was thinking the latter uh, on that. But uh, the Shinto god, Bishop Montan, is also... Known to be a god of of wealth as well, too. So it could be either or. Yeah, you had mentioned that. That's why I, I had thought about it. Yeah. So it could have been them being superstitious or, like you said, and that was my theory of it being guitar pick. Yep, a good backup guitar pick. Cost, it costs one yen. Uh, a guitar <laughs> pick costs one yen. Uh, cheapest guitar pick you'll find. But, uh, no, yeah, the... I, I'm curious as to whether or not, though, that's the reason why the person got rid of their guitar in the first place is because their superstition of the money not multiplying because they did not go anywhere with the guitar uh, is the reason why you found it on the curb. Maybe. That's a good theory. That's a very good theory. So, yeah, that's how I found a free electric guitar and amp. Are you planning on learning? Yeah, um, some music stuff? I think I'm going to like search on YouTube to see if I can find some good tutorial stuff and then go from there. Yeah, I have a, I got to be honest. Um, so one of the things that I've been using for the past couple of years now, which has been really great, is um, you can get Rocksmith on Steam. You do need to uh, buy the uh, cord that plugs into your computer mm -hmm. for it, which is another like 15 ish dollars, I think. Um, if you find it for the right price, but uh, it's totally worth it. I like I've had so much fun with Rocksmith and I can show you how to get custom songs on it, too, because there's a trick that allows you to get custom songs. All right. Yeah, I'll look into that. That's that's actually a good idea to, to look into Rocksmith. Oh, yeah. Have, yeah. I've that had would, fun with that it. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. So, John Starr, you have a show you want to talk about. Yes. So um, I was homesick today. And so, of course, in my homesickness, it's like, well, you got to find something weird to watch on TV because you can only watch The Price is Right for an hour. So uh, I went on to Netflix and I, I'm in the midst of finishing uh, The Pacific because I really, really liked 
you know, Band of Brothers. That was the show that I've been watching this year. Mm. Uh, I finally got to watch it, even though it's like 15 years old. But um, I went on to Netflix and I'm not like really digging the Pacific. So the first thing that caught my eye when I went on there that immediately sidetracked me was um, Yu Yu Hakusho live action had just mm. dropped. Yeah. Right. And so this uh, was actually, believe it or not, since like my very first days of Adult Swim, late night, them playing, you know, anime of the time. Yeah. Uh, watching Yu Yu Hakusho. And so I was like, man, you know, I've always really wanted to watch Yu Yu Hakusho and I've really wanted to, you know, give it a shot. Why not try this live action version, which some people are going to be probably screaming over the mic saying, no, that's a huge mistake. But don't worry, I've been doing this long enough to understand the risks. So um, anyways, I popped it on. And the, the so the first episode was a super strong opening. The uh, action sequences in it are really hyper violent. Um, they are really well choreographed and the CG is actually pretty decent in the whole thing. Yeah, I saw, um, a, clip of, I saw a clip of one of the fight scenes. Yeah. It looked pretty dope. Yeah, it looks really yeah. cool. And um, the, the all the characters are great. Like, I, I know the reason why everybody likes Kurobawa now. Like, and it, it oh, yeah, was... Oh, yeah, Kurobawa is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he was <laughs> the best just, character. It, but it just gave, like, this really good sense of all the characters. Now, so they kind of mashed, like, the first three or, or so seasons, I forget how many seasons, into... Uh, into uh, five hours. It's five episodes, and each episode is 50 to 48 minutes long each. And so they got, like, Ooh. all of this stuff scr- uh, crushed in there, almost like the second half of, of Scott Pilgrim, right? Um, uh, the movie, the movie, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Not, not the anime. But uh, they they did a really good job at creating a comprehensive story of taking these characters that are changing their roles, but still playing like a villainous role or, you know, they do a really good job with pacing on how the characters develop a friendship in the amount of time that they have. Um, I, especially, um, you know, uh, Yusuke and Kurobawa, um, uh, Hiei and, uh, what's the Rose guy's name? Uh, Kurama. Yeah. Hirama. So they are, kind of like uh, okay I know who they are from the anime so I guess it makes sense that they're in there but like but they did a, such a good job with um, Kurobaro and Yusuke so um, so it, it was cool I watched all five episodes and by episode three by the end of episode three it got a little tiresome because they legitimately have half hour fight scenes in the show and it's just like I want to, I want more story and like I get it the fight <laughs> scenes are cool and everything like that but man like half hour long fight scenes like we're actually watching a shonen anime when you only have five hours like when the show is like 200 episodes long yeah sure I get it you need it from week to week you need to have some charge up moves but not for just like a crush condensed version of the anime so uh, there were some good parts about it uh, there, actually sorry there were some great parts about it, I should say. And then there were some parts that I really, really just wanted to end. I actually did end up fast forwarding through like the, <laughs> the end part of episode five. Um, and people are really not sure if they're, if they even set up for a season two. 
to be honest. So well, I guess if it does well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, but like if, One Piece did well, so who know? So who knows if this will go well too? Right, of course. But I mean, like, man, it was uh, it, the the first episode though was a strong opening. So highly recommend at least that. But everything else is kind of. 50-50? Everything else is fine. We'll we'll put it that way. If you if you really want to see a good example of a live action anime that people care about, I think that this might actually be a decent example of it. Yes, some of the characters are wrong. Yes, some of the characters have like different personalities or or they have different roles in the whole thing. Yes, they skip over entire arcs from the anime just to get to certain plot points for this little shortened version of the series. Um, but it was super fun. It felt like a live action version of an anime. It was over the top. It was bloody and gory and violent. And uh, the characters were really cool. Um, other people might want to weigh in on like some of the things that they got wrong. But I did look up some articles that said whether or not like things were correct. And for the most part, people online seem to agree that, yeah, they got some some really key elements correct, which was good. Right. I think it's the key aspects that have to be like true to the, the story because, you know, that's what makes you Yu Hakusho Yu Yu Hakusho. If, right. if you take the key elements and you kind of ruin them, then you, that's how you get Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> exactly. Right. And it, this did not feel like Dragon Ball Evolution. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the things that I feel is kind of nice about it, too, is uh you have a lot of things going so like there's a lot of anime products or live action anime stuff that is asian but they're but they do it in the united states something like uh dragon ball evolution but then you have a lot of things that are like shot in japan but but are depicting another culture but they only have asian actors Mm -hmm. shows like this one and the roroni kenshin show do really well because it's all Japanese based, you yeah. know. I yeah, I could see that. That's true. And so yeah, so like it, it's it's so much easier to keep it culturally relevant when you don't have to cross cultures to make a product. Um, and and something like Yu Yu Hakusho, I can see doing really well with that kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. It's kind of was why it was good that that One Piece was an international production because if that was like a full blown Japanese production then you, you would have had like you said the issues where like with people people of different cultures and such being presented just as oh it's just another group of Japanese people yeah and um, I mean granted it's never really specifically said for something like Dragon Ball like what culture they're from in the same way that Ghost in the Shell when Ghost in the Shell happened they're just like why did you choose Scarlett Johansson Major Matoko isn't white and then the creators of the show were like oh, we never said she was Asian either you know, it's like she's a she's a robot, so she can kind of be whatever. So it's fine, uh, even though that didn't do well. But you know, but uh, just an example. Uh, but it but it is kind of cool when they kind of make it easy on themselves and be like, oh yeah, Yu Hakusho is just totally a Japanese cultural thing. So yeah. go not. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. All right, I've got two other stories to tell before we get to the the awards segment of the show. But it's up to you which one you want to hear first. So I've got a punk rock band show of a band that I have been greatly influenced by for many, many years. Or I could talk about my first Kabuki experience. 
Uh, let's do punk rock first. You want yeah. punk rock? All right. So one of my all-time favorite punk rock bands, they are called Stance Punks. And I've been listening to them for almost two decades. And in fact, their song, SOS, was the original theme song to No Borders or Race back in its college radio days. Mm. I had bought tickets to see them at Shibuya Quattro, not knowing that this show was going to be their 25th anniversary celebration show. Great. So I get there and I just noticed like people in the audience, a lot of them bringing their kids to the show because like these are like punks who have grown up and have gone and shared their favorite bands to the next generation, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, so the show starts and it's just wild and crazy. By the second song, the whole floor becomes a mosh pit. And I realize that I'm very much in danger. <laughs> so I You're have probably to- the tallest guy there, though. I wasn't. Okay. Nice. I was not the tallest guy there. There were some dudes who were Japanese that were way taller than I was. I don't know if it's because they were wearing the big fucking boots, but they <laughs> towered over me. Awesome. And the show was basically a nearly two and a half hour set with songs from just about every single album. And in between some of the songs, the front man, Suru, who I believe is like currently the only remaining original member of the band. He gave a lot of speeches about how thankful he is for the fans, for sticking by them for so long and just joking about getting older and no longer being the young group of punks that they once were. Still singing songs about when being uh, delinquents in high school. Basically, yeah. Or talking about the youth trying to be the future of Japan or be the future of the world. Yeah. And one of the things that I liked the most, so during the encore, every single member of Stance Punks from past and present joined in on the show for the last couple of songs. So there was like nine people on the stage playing some of the best punk rock music you can ever imagine. That's all playing the same same three power chords. (laughs) (laughs) That is that that is so great, though. Like all jokes aside, rock on. (laughs) Yeah, it's like um, it's like what when was it like when the Aquabats did the show and just about every single member from past and present came back? Oh, yeah. When that was the Fury tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, it wasn't even a tour. They just did one concert where they just had everybody from the Fury back. And they had Baron Von Tito play arguably the worst songs on their album. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> album. Don't get me wrong. Great, great album. But but the worst songs on a great album. <laughs> Not the best songs to showcase drum skills. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who are wondering, Baron Von Tito was Travis Parker. But great show. I've been wanting to see these guys for so long. They had actually come to Boston back in 2006 with a bunch of other groups, including my friends at Sushi Mamire. But I, it was too late for me to even go to the show. Or rather, I had like three exams the night before or the, the day after the show. So I couldn't yeah. go. It would, it would be either go to the concert and fail your classes or... Missed out on the concert and 
do decent in the classes. Fail classes, fail classes. <laughs> Dude, believe me, because it was them, Sushi Mami Ray, El Garden, Rodeo Carburetor, Pez, our friends, my friends, the Emeralds. It, that must have been an amazing concert. And it was at the TT The Bears, our, one of my favorite old stomping grounds. Nice. Um, but I finally was able to see Stan Spunks live. Very happy. I bought a nice little, like, punk rock uh, rubber wristband that I can now wear at different concerts and everything. I'm actually wearing it right now. So, nice. yeah. Very happy that I finally got to see this group because they're, they're one of the bands that really have influenced my taste in punk rock music. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, going from punk rock straight into Kabuki Theater. Which is also known as the punk rock of ancient Japan. <laughs> For those of you who don't know. Yeah. So, the JET program gave everyone from who was um, here in Tokyo teaching free tickets to see two shows at what is known as the Kabukiza Theater. And it's a very, very gorgeous venue. It has a very similar setup to um, the MGM Music Hall in Boston, where like there is no bad seat at all. You can see just about everything. And it is all rounded up. And they did two shows. The first show was known as Cat Monster of Okazaki, Heard in Journey's Rumor which sounds like an isekai title. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And it's a story about a couple and their child. They're lodging at this temple. And this old woman comes in, and she claims to be the grandmother of the child. But it turns out that she's really a cat monster. And there's this moment where, like, the transformation from the old woman to the cat monster was so, so impressive. Like... Like, the makeup, the lighting effects that made it seem like their face was changing in an instant. It was really, really cool. Wow. That's pretty awesome. There was this part, too, where, like, the old woman just basically becomes this big, giant, furry cat. And it's funny watching her as a big, giant, furry cat doing some samurai moves. It was, it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> and But at that moment, while that was going on... The, the giant furry cat was carrying both <laughs> the corpse of the baby and the severed head of the mother. So it was like funny and creepy all at the same time. Jeez. <laughs> Spoilers, am I right? <laughs> so, well, are you ever going to see this show? You, yes, I'm going to record visibly. <laughs> The correct response is, it's not spoilers if it's a 4,000-year-old show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say at least 400-year-old show. <laughs> um, can I ask you a question about it? Yeah, go ahead. Is the way that they uh, did the Kabuki theater, is it done in the classical style of old Kabuki, or did they modernize it as in like the way that the stage worked and everything? Like the lighting, was it done in the classic way that all Kabuki theater was done back in the day? I think the lighting is the only thing that is the is the most modern because like I said there's this aspect where like the makeup on the face changes with the lighting which I don't think you could have done with like old classic kabuki from like the 17 1800s or however far back you're going 
But mm. everything else about it was um, very much in the classic Kabuki theater. Very nice. So, like, there were some great acrobatics. Uh, characters acting like cats and destroying doors and windows. And, like, there is one moment. Okay, so there is one moment that was still a little bit modern. So, like, there's a part that, that's where, like, the cat monster kills somebody. And it looks like the one of the windows was, like, a special kind of screen. And you saw just, like, blood splattering all over it. Wow. So that must that must have been like a good like a modern special effect that they managed to do that with. This yeah. story sounds terrifying. I know it sounds. It's, yikes! It's one. I'm telling it like it's terrifying, but it's very entertaining, and like some of us were even laughing while watching it. Yeah, you know what it honestly reminds me of is like a uh, I forget what grade both Andrew and I were in, but like we went to go see a, a stage play of Edgar Allan Poe stories. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's um, right. and Ooh. they did uh, a telltale heart and they did uh, sleepy hollow. And um, so was sleepy, sleepy hollow. hollow, is no, hollow Edgar Allan Poe? I thought that was Washington Irving. You might be right. So it might've just been three one act horror stories. Um, but anyways, Telltale Heart was the first one, and it was really cool when he was chopping up the the old guy at the end to put like his pieces under the floorboards. What he did was he chopped the guy up behind the bed, and every time he slashed down the cleaver, he brought a new one up that had more blood on it. So he had like four prop knives that just had more and more blood on each one as he chopped the guy. Um, but he but the one that the one effect that I remember was they changed the lighting during Sleepy Hollow where um, Ichabod Crane's shadow um, stretched to the back of the theater and then they had the uh, headless horseman step into the shadow and come out of his shadow so that they actually made it look like his shadow turned into the headless horseman. I distinctly remember that in my head wow. from all those years ago. So I don't remember. I remember. I remember the Tilt of Heart pretty vividly. I don't remember anything else about it though. I just remember the Tilt of Heart. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's just old theater talk. No, it's good theater talk. It, it's awesome to hear stories like this. So the second show was called that, that they did was called Contest of the Cherry Trees Now and Past. And what was unique <laughs> about this show was this featured Hatsune Miku. What? The real Hatsune Miku? The real Hatsune... The real Hatsune Miku. You know, the... Quote, unquote, the real Hatsune Miku. That's funny. So Hatsune Miku played one of the characters in the show. And, like, this is... This is where, like, you use, like, both modern and you could kind of say futuristic techniques to tell a kabuki story. (laughs) No, they had... They had projection screens... 400 years ago <laughs> they they had they had anime characters anime waifus mm-hmm. on the screen <laughs> they, they, they figured out and perfected it yeah so, they had tupac they brought tupac back all the way back in there <laughs> so this show is about a cherry tree that's robbed of its light for the blue dragon spirit and a reincarnation of a white fox appears and I'll admit this one this one was a weird one. Like this one was one that like I was trying to watch 
And I was trying to read like the description of the play that was going on. And I'm like, this doesn't feel like it's matching. That's funny. <laughs> there were lots of good choreographed fights with dragons and demons. And I find out later that, so the main hero of the story, who is the protector of Princess Miku, his name is, so the character's name is Tadanobu. Um, the actor's name is Shido Nakamura, and he actually played Ryuk in the Japanese Death Note movies. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, N- not not the Willem Dafoe one, but the ones that were were actually <laughs> based off in Japan. You not the masterpiece one. Yeah, <laughs> you just get Willem Dafoe at your show and be like, yeah. yeah. He's, Willem Dafoe is going to save Hatsune Miku. This seems right. <laughs> that seems right. That's... So out of the two, I think I preferred the cat monster play over the cherry tree ones. As much as it was so cool seeing Hatsune Miku on this, in this play, the cat monster one was a lot more fun to watch. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, in like just a month, I experienced Rakugo, Manzai and Kabuki. I think I've experienced all f- forms of Japanese traditional theater. So is that something to check off of the um, the ducket list? I think so. Yeah, nice. check it off the ducket list. I speaking of which, I do ha- I did find another ducket list item for you. Okay. Um, which would, which might make you, you know, a little uh, nostalgic for home. Do you know how close um, uh, Fukusaki Hugo uh, Hyogo is to you? I do not. What is Fukusaki Hyogo? Okay, so I saw it on Instagram the other day, and it is a whole town that is dedicated to yokai. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is Japanese Salem. And uh, so, like, they were showing footage of the town and, like, it's a town where people actually live, but, like, they have statues and animatronics of, like, kappas in the, the ponds and they have, uh, all, like, lanterns. What? Yeah, and they have, like the, like, the demon lanterns and they have ghosts sitting uh, on benches and things like that. They even have, like, um, pulley systems with, like, with characters flying through the air and everything like that. And I was like, I got to bring this up with Evan because this is just like Salem. Let me check this. Senkawa from Senkawa Fukusa. <laughs> it's five hours and 12 minutes away from train. It's way past That's- Nagoya. It's way pa- <laughs> it's past Kyoto. <laughs> well, you got to get some form of tourism out there somehow. So yeah, uh, I'll put that on the maybe list. Well, it's the ducket list. Yeah. <laughs> so that he's like, yeah, if we get to it. We'll see. We will see. So let's focus on the main aspect of today's show. Unless there's anything you guys want to throw in here before we dive into the muckies. I do not have anything at the moment. I had a, um, I did have an ADA, but it can wait till our next show. Just so we have content for next time. Okay. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So yeah, let's talk about the best of 2023, the 2023 muckies. Now, mm-hmm. I want to like 
stress this. So the muckies and the wikis are two totally different things. So the wikis focus more on anime. Muckies is just about everything under the spectrum. But the thing about the muckies is that we're kind of going back to what the wikis used to be, which is sort of a mockery of award shows. The anti-reward show. Or the anti-award yeah, anti shows. So I made it my mission to like, on top of actually giving away, you know, real awards, I wanted to come up with some ideas for fake awards to give that were just, you know, stupid, dumb, funny. Maybe just funny to Andrew Johnstar and I. <laughs> Every, everybody else can laugh about it in spirit with us. <laughs> so let's dive in. I've got stuff for video games, movies, music, and anime. What category do you think we should start with? So I will anime. preface this, yeah, that I have not watched any anime like since maybe January. So <laughs> so you've watched I'm, nothing. I've watched essentially nothing. Unfortunately, I don't even remember what anime came out in January, but that's like par for the course for me when it comes to the way even the wikis. I was just like, what? What was? What I still track the shows that I watch. Me too. I use both my anime list and I have like a little note thing here on my note app that I have everything that I've watched, both movies and even um, even the movies that I've watched that were anime. Yeah. All right. So let's start with anime. Let's see. Shall we do the fake awards first or the real awards? Oh, always start with the real awards first. All right. We'll start with the real awards. So let's talk about the waifu of the year. Oh, starting Lord. with the waifu of the year. <laughs> hmm. Now I really have to know what I watched this year. That was that All was right. the one. That was the one for me where it's like it was early in the year. There's no way it's going to be anyone better than this character. What was it? I mean, it was Tomo Aizawa from Tomo Chan is a Girl. Oh. Oh yeah. I mean, I suppose that's very true, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh for me, man. Your is is my speed of of waifu. So. Yeah, you know, that's it's so true. I as much as I love the whole concept and idea of Tomochan as a girl, I simply cannot get over your. Like I like she is just one of the greatest anime characters ever, right? <laughs> from design and from from her personality and I'll even throw in just her voice. Like, Sari Hayami has just really killed it as my favorite. Georgia. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to look to see what else uh, we had this year, but I didn't I didn't write anything down. So I'm not really sure. Uh, but it's it's true. It's true that your forger kind of is is the one that floats to the top as as like, oh, yeah, that's so true. That's who, that's because that, that's who I think of I, or I would have to bring to now me. that she's a street fighter character you know well, i hope yeah. she's a street fighter character i will buy the game just to play as your forger <laughs> but who knows it's probably just yeah. gonna be oh it's good it's gonna be cosmetics yeah you'll you can, to, yeah you'll, you'll be able to dress as your and that's about it yeah which will be disappointing well very capcom all right husband of the year uh, from the opposite spectrum 
Uh, did Fist of the North Star come out this year? No. Oh, well then. I got nothing. You got nothing? <laughs> I had to think um, a little bit about this on my end. I think out of all like the male characters who I thought were really good and kind-hearted and noble, because that's what I look for in a, in a husband, though. And even though he's technically can't be a husband, though, because he's a priest... I have to give it to Lawrence from St. Cecilia and Lawrence. Pastor Lawrence. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> He's a good man, damn it. He is a good man. I mean, I, I go, I, I... Oh, you have one? I do. Yeah. What is it? Oh, it, it's um, it's Vash. Vash Stampede from Trigun Stampede. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, you could technically, yeah, you can technically do that. It was a new yeah. series this year, and he was technically, like, he wasn't that similar of a character. Like, he was pretty much the same character, but, like, he was kind of a different Vash. Yeah, he was. Well, it was a different Trigun. I mean, they threw out a lot of the more humorous aspect and told a very serious story. Yeah, a very serious apocalypse story. It was really good. Yeah, I was very surprised by it. And it's not one where it makes it feel like that it erases the original, like nothing erases the original. This is just, here's a different take on it. And they did a very oh, good yeah. job with it. Yep. One true pairing, the one true pairing, the best couple of the year. What did you Oh, that's gotta, be Tomo, that's gotta be Tomo-chan, right? Like, I had to actually think a little bit hard about this one. And the show that really surprised me the most when it came to romance and partnering it was the show The Dangers in My Heart, so I had to give it to Ichikawa and Ana Yamada. Oh, that's that's kind of funny. That's that's kind of a that that one's that was a that was a funny show. Um, I didn't get to finish it, but it, it was good. Uh, but it was it was bizarre, right? Because neither of one? them were like neither of them were really good characters. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Like they not not that they were not like that their characters themselves were like they weren't written badly they just like they had their great flaws people. they yeah. they, ha they had a lot of flaws and I feel like that's what made them partner up so well is because despite them being complete polar opposites from one another it's their flaws that made them mesh well mm -hmm. and so yeah that was why true Perry. did you have one andrew yeah oh, that's what i said mine has to be tomochan it has to be it has to be the that pairing what what's the guy's name i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> does yeah, anybody ever remember a male oh, no, no, it, has to, it, ha it had to, uh <laughs> oh man she only said his name every single episode uh jin jun j something right Ju yeah yeah yeah, June. June. Was it Junta? June. Junta? No, yeah, Jun Kun. Junichiro. Junichiro. Oh, Jun. <laughs> uh, the only the only anime that I feel bad that I didn't get a chance to watch uh, before the year was up was Oshino Koi, because I feel like most of these answers probably would have been Oshino Koi had I had I had a a chance to really dive into it, but I, I just did not have time. I would say probably at least the um, for Waifu of the Year, Hoshino I, or maybe even one of the other girls would have been Waifu of the Year. Mm -hmm. But um, we'll see. Well, yeah, try and watch it and then maybe come back to this sometime in the future and see what your thought process is regarding Oshinoko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, Zom 100 also came out. I forgot about that. 
I kind of. Oh, I totally forgot about Zom 100. I did watch an anime past January. Because <laughs> <laughs> what actually... was that? Uh, what was that? What was the? What was the brown hair chick's name? Not the. Not the. Not the otaku foreign German girl. Not her. The the real waifu of the show that everybody ignored because of the blonde chick. Oh, you're talking about uh, Shizuka. Yeah. Yeah, she is a good waifu. Yeah, she is a good waifu. I was, I was so I this and this actually might come up later in. The, uh, we're still on on like these couple of reward, awards, but I just talking about Zom 100 real quick. I just want to say how relieved I am that it was a show that didn't take place with high schoolers. It was like people post college in the work wor- working world. They were all over 18 years old. It was so refreshing to see a show that everybody was finally an adult, you know, because yeah. it, it focuses so much on, oh, these characters are in high school. And so everybody in anime is perpetually in high school. So Zom 100 was good for that reason as yeah. well. I really like that. Not to mention some great action sequences, some good gore, some some sweet violence. It's why. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Those episodes are the, the final three episodes of the season are coming out real soon. Yeah. On Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. That's going to be a good Christmas gift. That is going to be a good Christmas gift. And that's actually leading me to why it's my pick for hardcore enemy of the year, too. Yeah. Uh Okay. Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Perfect transition. Yeah. Hardcore enemy of the year. Zom 100 bucket list of the dead. I thought they did such a good. they They did not hold anything back with the violence, which made me so happy. Yeah, it was actually violent. Like, yeah. thank goodness, right? Like, they didn't they didn't censor anything. I mean, they did it very artfully in the fact that everything was very colorful, but Which was cool. not all the time was everything really colorful. But yeah, it was a really great artistic choice to make everything that vibrant, you know, um, Lisa Ross color, you know, or Lisa whatever. Frank. <laughs> Lisa Frank, Lisa Frank color, yeah. Bob Ross, Lisa Frank. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's what, yeah. So Lisa Frank vomited all over Zom 100 and made a really good show. Yeah. Absolutely. See, they, um, yeah. And I, I kind of like the artistic choice in the sense that like his world became more colorful once he realized that like life was back to normal. So like, that's the reason why like the blood was colorful was because he was enjoying life, even though it was a zombie apocalypse. It's not blood and gore. It's all, you know, flowers and sparkles, sunshine and rainbows. I don't have to go to work anymore. Yeah. Which it's so, so close to home. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not for me, but okay. I mean, everybody has a day where they're just like, you know, it'd be great if I didn't have to go to work anymore. <laughs> Because, I mean, sure, everybody wants to travel the world. Everybody, you know, wants to do their dream job. But also, everybody wants to sit home and watch nothing but anime on Netflix, too. So Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. I like my job. I like Agree my with job me. Too. It's a podcast. <laughs> yes, and. Yes, and. <laughs> I'm not Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's my hardcore. Do you, do you guys have different hardcore anime picks of the year? I really don't. I actually like that one. Yeah, I, I like that as as my option. Um, the other thing that came out that I really enjoyed was um, Mushiki Tensei, the Jobless Reincarnation Season 2. Yeah. Uh, which actually, Part 2 is coming out 
in the spring. Yeah, so not not the winter season, but spring of 2024 is part two of season two for uh, for Jobless Reincarnation, mm-hmm. which I, I'm super excited for. I love that series. That series is great. That is pretty cool. Um, but uh, but we did get the first half of the season. This though, this season was really slow. Maybe this will fit into a different category that you have on downline, so I can talk about it more. Well, who knows? Because right now we're going to talk about before we get to the best of the year, the worst of the year. Unless you guys actually have other real awards you want to give. Not for anime. I don't okay. Think. Okay. So worst anime of the year. Um. um. Uh, oh, I, I think I got one. Um, and this is solely people are, might be upset about this one because like it wasn't like a terrible anime or anything like that. It's just that it was my least favorite thing that I watched this year, which oh, cool. um, was um, uh, level 999. What was that one? Oh, with Yamada-kun. Yeah. My love story with Yamada-kun. Really? That was that was your worst one? Because because I, I thought that was pretty good. I mean, like I said, it was um you know, I have a short list this year. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that um, I didn't finish the Mega Mean show because it was kind of disappointing. It was. I, it, I didn't I actually, finish that either. I almost put that on my list for the worst, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay. But the one that I went to was um, it was called The Legendary Hero is Dead. It took a really funny concept where the hero acts. Where someone accidentally kills a hero, so he has to take his place. And it just was not funny. It was so boring to watch. The animation was shit. And even, like, their attempts at fan service and that the stuff that's supposed to, like, keep your attention, it sucked. It was boring. I've never felt like I've wasted my time watching a show quite like with how I felt with Legendary Hero Was Dead. Mm. I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> oh, wow. There's actually a lot of anime here that I did watch in the spring that I forgot about. But uh, I think, yeah, there were a couple shows that I didn't finish. Uh, one of one of which you suggested to me, Evan, which was, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Somebody Won't Let Me Be Invisible. Oh, Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible. Yeah, I didn't finish it. It's not that I it's not that I disliked it. I just couldn't really get into it, right, you know. Uh it was slow. I didn't really get the comedy. And that's that's the thing about that show is like so I read the manga. I've been reviewing the manga. In fact, I just posted mm. my review of the recent volume of it. It's a great series, but mm-hmm. it takes time to get to that greatness. You uh you know what else came out this season that I didn't finish, but it was because it was basically exactly the same? Was do you do you remember that the Tokyo Mew Mew remake came out this season? Oh right, I forgot about like, that. It's literally just a straight up copy paste of the original series from the early two thousands. They just redid it. Um, it wasn't again. It wasn't bad. There just wasn't anything gripping about it because it was exactly the same, like almost shot for shot, exactly the same as the 2000 series, just updated. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really weird. I, I don't know why they did it, but they did. Now we get to the final real category, which is anime of the year. Hmm. Hmm. I'll say my piece last. You'll say your piece last. OK, um, I mean, that might be that might be appropriate anyways. Um, I, I think that, you know, Zom 100 is a really, really good contender, but I also think that Spy Family Season 2 uh, deserves a, a shot in there. 
as well. I don't know if it's as good as Spy Family season one, though. No, I don't. I don't necessarily think so either. I don't think so but either. But, the, but this arc where Yor is the focus with her on mm. the ship—that that's actually one of my favorite arcs in the whole series. Yeah. Um, gosh, there were so many anime this season that everybody told me to watch, but I just didn't watch. Uh, and that makes me feel kind of bad because it makes me feel that I, I really can't answer this question because we have anime like Oshino Koi and uh, there's another one on this list that I heard, but I skipped. Uh, but like Tomo was really good. Spy Family was really good. Oh, man, I never finished my tiny senpai. Forgot about that one. Which, uh, Evan, didn't you say that my, my tiny senpai was not great? I'm actually going to talk about that in my fake awards. Got it. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, here's another, oh, here's another one that I didn't like, which was Otaku Elf. I really disliked that one. Really? I, I liked Otaku. It was, it was, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I, I liked it. I liked how it's basically Himoto Umaru-chan, but instead of her being like this little tiny gremlin, it's this seven-foot-tall elf girl. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it had to be an anime that didn't put me to sleep, and everything almost put me to sleep. So... <laughs> Uh, oh, Skip and Loafer came out this season. That was pretty good, right? Oh, yeah, that that almost got my one true pairing pick. Was the two in that? Oh, show. really? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe maybe my favorite goes to Tomo Chan, just because it was a complete story. It like it. I mean, how rare is it that we get an anime that just ends? It has an ending. Yeah, you know, that's wild. That's mm. that's it's it's almost unheard of. Oh my gosh! But my life as Inuki's uh, Inukai's dog came out. <laughs> it's so hard to that would go as my worst. Wow. Hey, I found my, I, I found my worst one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the definitive winner for worst is is my <laughs> my life as Inukai's dog. <sighs> Possibly, yeah. You know what was all one right. that I also actually didn't like either? Now that we're like thinking back on this, these these categories are all messed up now. But um, <laughs> but um, Manchel, Magic and Muscle. I was I, so disappointed by that. I didn't watch it. I didn't. I didn't get so, around to it. Again, I love the manga of it. Yep. Um, the anime. So like the first twelve episodes, it really didn't get into the meat of the story. So like. Yeah. I will tell you to like try to stick around if you have the courage to do so because it does get a lot better as the story goes. I'm on. sure it does. The, the one thing that I really wish, I think the thing that I was bummed out about was Mashal's um, character type where he was like the strong but dumb guy. I feel like he needed, in order to be a more complete character, he needed like awareness, you know? Um, and I and I think that was the thing that bothered me the most about it is that like he should have been the guy that's like no I don't know magic but I can kick your ass you know like but he wasn't that guy he like beat people up by mistake because he's dumb you know so hmm. yeah that would bug me I think I think I think it's more the fact that he beat people up to try to hide or pretend that it was magic that he was using. Yeah, so it could be that. Again, I, I don't think I got far enough into it in order to really give a fair assessment of it. I just know that it disappointed me when I started watching it is all. So Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And my anime of the year pick, I have... I I still have to go with the show My Clueless First Friend. 
I think that nice. was a show that. Oh my gosh, you are you're right. That was a great show. Talk about a series that could actually teach people, like like show kids like why bullying is bad and how to combat bullying by being a good friend. Like yeah, dude. Like I I cried so much watching that anime. Like that. Well. Sh- she was also just kind of a tough character too, you know, like she took her lashes and, uh, and, and like really dealt with the bullying in a smart way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she had a good friend to help her out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was, it was so good. It was such a good show. Like it's so refreshing to see a series where it's like, okay, so some of the bully kids do become her friend later on. But it's so refreshing to see a show that takes its time with that. Rather than, you know how like a lot of shows, there'll be like an episode, oh no, there's a bully. And then by the end of the show, it's like, we're all best friends by the end of it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not how it works. It takes time. And sometimes that bully will never be your friend. Right. Because there's that one guy in the show that still like makes fun of of Nishimura, even towards yep. the end of the series. And, like, he doesn't learn. But, like, everybody else that was kind of making fun of her, like, kind of warms up to her. And it's all thanks to not just her gumption, but because of them finally seeing what Tayo sees in her, too. Yeah. It, it, that, was, that was a very charming show with really good characters and a nice message. A very nice message. And I think we need more of those nice messages. Yeah. I, I would say that that's like a pretty decent pick. I would also say that it, it was probably a sleeper hit. I don't know. Uh, I didn't hear many other people besides us talking about that show. And that's and that kind of bugs me because out of everything that came out this year, I feel like that's a show that, okay, visually it wasn't the best. But from a story perspective and from what you get out of it there nothing really compared to it it's a show that i feel like every kid every parent i'll even throw in every teacher should sit down and watch because it teaches so much about bullying how to deal with bullies and why it's basically wrong yeah yeah for sure all right so though <laughs> And I feel weird talking about having a good anti-bullying message when we're just about to start bullying some anime with our fake awards. Hey, man. That's hilarious. I, I never said I was against bullying. I just know it's bad. So come on. We can bully. <laughs> bullying builds character. So so let's bully some things. All right. So let's give out some bully awards, the fake awards. And my first award is titled, Welp, I guess that was an ending. And <laughs> the winner of that is Agretzko Season 5. Oh, oh, that was this year? Yeah. Oh, what a shame. Uh, oh, man. What a terrible show. Well, what a great show with a terrible ending. Yeah. Honestly... Holy crap, dude. (laughs) 
How do you go from a story about a struggling office worker to let's make her prime minister? Is that what it well, was about? Only- See, I got such bad messages from you guys. I didn't even like start it. I was afraid yeah. to. No, not only that, but like the whole series revol- revolved around Haida and and Agret and and Retzko becoming, you know, like will they, won't they, are they an item? What's what's this all about, right? And then the season four ends and they just are a couple like they just all of a sudden just oh yeah we're a couple now like no build up to it no no discussion no nothing and then season five doesn't have anywhere to go because they're already a couple yeah and they they might as well have just ended it with season four well because because Haida no they shouldn't have ended it with they should have ended it with season two because that was the last good season honestly like season three wasn't the worst, but season three is where it started to lose lose the plot entirely. Um, you think so? Season, yeah, I actually, yeah. I actually really enjoyed the season season three where she becomes the idol. I, I actually found yeah, it no, it's, no, it, it's not bad. It's not a bad season, but it's where it started to lose the plot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because the because what was it about season five that was so good? It was director tone. Like director tone was the only good part of, of season five. Season yeah. uh, five. Yeah, season five. Yeah, because he because he was the only character that actually had character growth over all five seasons. I thought that was season um, four when they were like firing him. Yeah, it was, but he kind of became like the sage at the end of like season five. He became like the guy with the words of wisdom. Interesting. Yeah, it, it it was it was interesting, and uh, yeah, I I just feel like from season one on, uh, Gretzko just kept going in a downward slope. Like it never got better. It just kept getting worse because they they stopped understanding who their own characters were. And I know that it's funny you made this as a joke, uh, as a joke category, but it's actually a very serious topic, like as far as yeah. shows and writing and, and where and how to end a show. And yeah, because I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you that, that what a nightmare, like the most disappointing thing anybody could ever watch is 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 the end of the Gretzko. All right. So I'll dive in. The next award is called I'm Going to Hell for Watching This Anime, and it's a show that I think Andrew mentioned earlier, My Life is Inukai-san's Dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I was I, I probably would have said the the 1,000 girlfriends that really, really, or the 100 girlfriends that really, 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 really love you. You forgot uh, two reallys in that title. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, my bad. My bad. I mean... Well, I had a girlfriend who really, 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 really love you. The story is is bad, but it's not. No, none of it. Yeah. None of it. No, 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 no. None of the waifus is a dog. Okay. Yeah, it's it. It's not. It's not about wanting to bang your dog, like that's yeah. or that's successfully absurd. banging your dog. Rather, I know. Yeah. Not wanting, which would kind of be a funny premise. Yeah, because like, because. He doesn't know, or she doesn't know that that's her, that that's her high school, you know, uh, peer. Like that, like she just thinks it's a dog, and it's, it's weird. Yeah. Who came up with that garbage? <laughs> I have no idea. Somebody who who wants to do their dog—that's for sure. <laughs> it reminds me back when um, 
this is, when was this, 2008, 2009, there was an anime about magical girls who are originally soda cans. It was called, like, Aki-Kan. And it's like, <laughs> someone, someone, someone has this weird fantasy of wanting to kiss their soda cans and pretend that it's a girl. <laughs> huh. To this day, it's still one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life, that one. Uh, that makes you laugh. That's a real thing. That is a real thing. Ugh. It's dumb. It's very dumb. My next award is called Best PowerPoint Presentation. <laughs> oh. And this goes to The Way of the House Husband Season 2. Oh, so oh. sad. I know. that This could have been an anime of the year show. But God, they didn't even animate it. They did not even animate it. It's just one storyboard after another after another. And and the interesting part is, is Tomochan got away with that. Like Tomochan had the most minimal animation that you can possibly imagine, but they they did with it what they could. Like they made it cheap but effective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it had a lot to do with um, with uh, Rei Takahashi's uh, voice acting, yeah. for one thing. And uh, she, because that was that was incredible what she was able to do. Um, but I mean, obviously, she wasn't the only good voice actor in the show. Yeah. Um, but uh, but if you watch the show, it's so minimal. But but the characters carried it. But if you have a show that's also not very good and you didn't put a lot of effort into what else it could probably be Mm. then yikes yeah (laughs) so i i mean i think though that what we have here like tomo-chan is a school life anime where it's mostly just talking especially because it's yeah it's comedy but it's also in the romance category too and you know yeah, but uh, but this one is about a yakuza who is like living life as a husband, and so it's supposed to be like actiony and like there's honestly more movement in the manga because of <laughs> like how dynamic each one of the panels are and how they flow from one to the other. But you only have a static image on the screen at one at a time, so like there's an excuse for a school life anime to do that, and you expect it in a way. Um, yeah. With Nietzsche Joe pushed to the side, of course, but um, but I think that you you just your brain has a different expectation for that sort of thing. I know, like I remember when it was first announced, I was like, oh, it's gonna look so great. JC Staff, they do pretty good stuff. I mean, I was expecting the same level of care as they do with like, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? And then I watch it, I watch the anime, and it's like. It's just one static image after another, after another. And it's I'm surprised that it wasn't so done boring. by like a hentai company. <laughs> what is it called? B-Train? <laughs> I couldn't tell you, but I know that there's some really low quality crap out there. Oh, I know. It pops up on my Twitter feed from time to time. Uh. <laughs> All right. My next award is called the Dead Horse Award. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what you're going to say for this one. The Dead Horse Award. And the winner is Fully Cooly Grunge and Shoegaze. Ah. Okay, so we've had this conversation on the podcast before. And while I agree with you that um, 
We didn't need them by any means. I actually liked one of them. Yeah. Just as a reminder that hell throws over everybody. (laughs) I am. I'm, I'm actually surprised. And I suppose it's not a dead horse because people, I don't know if they like it or if they just hate watch it all the time. But, um, uh, rent a girlfriend season three came out this season or this, this year. And I learned my lesson. I did not watch it. <laughs> I watched the first two episodes, and then I was like, "Yeah, I'm good. That's fine." Yeah, no, that that show was awful. That show was just so so awful. You're a waifu bait. But I will say that the last episode of Grunge was my favorite, which you said John was your least favorite. Did I? That's funny. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but shoe, but shoegaze was just like, what was that? I have yeah. no idea what I just watched. They went back to their like college experimental film stuff and it just made no sense at all like no reason for it no like i i understand what they did for it and um i do want to point out that i was right about my theory of fooly cooly based Mm on shoegaze and uh it was i i don't know like if I'm disappointed about the fact that I was right, if I wanted, if I was expecting something, you know, a, a bit deeper, I guess. But then again, Fooly Cooly hasn't been that deep for a long time. So, yeah, not since uh, what, what what year did it come out? 2000, 2001. I'm talking like 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Back in Japan. So that's my Dead Horse Award. The next award is. This is the last time I order an anime from Wish.com award. (laughs) And the winner is My Tiny Senpai. It's not My Senpai is Annoying. I want more My Senpai is Annoying. My Tiny Senpai is not My Senpai is Annoying. Yeah, I knew that that was the direction you were going with after after that. Yeah, like that, again, an anime that I... It was like, oh, it has to. Be, it's a good anime if I don't fall asleep to it. And then, well, I've been, I've been, I fell asleep to my tiny senpai almost consistently. So, oh no, he's flustered again. Oh no, she's going. Ah, ah, ah. It's just the same thing over and over again for thirteen episodes. That was the like one of the first anime that came out this season, right? Or it came out this year? No, that was in the summertime. Was it really? Yeah, dude, Man. like the, the anime in Ikibukuro was pushing the living crap out of it. And I'm like, I mean, I get I get from the, the from the design perspective. It's cute looking, but like everything else about it just sucked. Yeah. So my next award is playing the video game would be better than watching this boring anime adaptation version of it. <laughs> and it goes to Atelier Riza. Ever Darkness and the Secret Hideout, the animation. I yep. stopped watching that three episodes in and was like, "This is boring. This is dull. This sucks." Well, it's 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 kind of like the same thing because you know what else came out this this season or this year was the Near Automata anime. That's right. Like, I, I, why why would you just why why would I watch an anime of that? I just want to play. I want to play the video game, which I still haven't played the video game, and I really want to, but. So man, oh man. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Crunchyroll or Funimation was advertising the crap out of that show um, because I remember at the time I had uh, 
I, I didn't have uh, paid for a paid for a subscription for it. And every basically every trailer was for that anime. And they really, really, really wanted it to do well for some reason. No, and hey, hey, everyone, it's the girl with the thighs. Come and watch. <laughs> it's the girl with the thighs. You like Dr. this Crush stuff, right? <laughs> My next award is known as, let me see if I can do this right. I told you this arc was going to suck, but you didn't believe me. Why didn't you believe me? Award. Okay. And this goes to Jujutsu Kaisen, the Shibuya incident. Oh, that's a... I hated reading this, the manga version of it. I was hoping that by condensing it to 18 episodes that it would be better, but it still sucked. 18 episodes is so many episodes. Yeah, it was originally almost 70 chapters. Jeez, dude. <laughs> um, I, uh, I would almost like to say that about Jobless Reincarnation, but I didn't hate it. Uh, I just... After the way that season one played out, where season one was almost the entirety of his childhood adventure, season two just stops the story and and makes like an academy school arc. And where he does make progress with a, another character from the series, which you're like, oh, I like that. That's really cool. The story doesn't progress like it did. Uh, it's no okay. It's literally him trying to fix his erectile dysfunction. No joke. That's that's <laughs> legitimately what the whole series is about. So he goes to an academy because the god of death is just like, oh yeah, you'll find your cure at this academy. And he's like, okay. And Dude. and then and so you have to watch twelve episodes of um did, of him did, being sexually frustrated. Did the god of death kill his boner? <laughs> no, uh, trauma did that. Trump. So, uh, you, yeah, you just have to watch. You have to watch the first season to understand, and then and then it'll make sense. Like like I said, I I still like the show, and I watched it, but but I kind of get what you mean because like the arc just halted the like the the production of the series. Mm-hmm. You know, like it didn't the movie did, the or the 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 story didn't move forward. Yeah, and I would have and I would have liked the story to move forward a little bit. So maybe season two, or or the, I'm sorry. The second half of season two that's coming out in the spring will do that because now they're they're leaving the school. So I, I'm guessing that something else is going to happen. Yeah, hopefully. But with Jujutsu, oh, but with like Jujutsu Kaisen, this should be an instant. I'll admit, okay, animation is really good, action is good, but it really goes nowhere. Gojo gets kidnapped, and that's kind of like it. It's like that. That should just been like, well, he's been kidnapped. I guess we should move on. No, everyone has to fight. A lot of people have to die. It's just, it's just not fun to sit through and watch. <laughs> and like rewatching it in animation form is just making me think back to how much of a drag it was to read it in manga form. <laughs> so nice. that, that's my award for. I don't think I have the voice to see this again. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> I told you this arc was going to suck, but you didn't believe me. Why didn't you believe me? There you go. Which, do you know what that's a reference to? I don't, actually. So that's a reference to Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, 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 sure. I told you I'd shoot, but you didn't believe me. <sighs> <laughs> and my final fake award, and I think it is the best award out of all the fake awards. It's probably the most important award out of everything, maybe even out of all the real awards. Best anime girl feat. Mm. (laughs) And the winner is Free Ran from Free Ran at Journey's End. Uh, yeah, she does get her. Yeah, she is barefoot a lot in that show. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 actually only in episode like five, and is though granted, granted, we did finally get to see your forger's feet in the last episode. So, (laughs) so congratulations, fans. You You did it. A winner is it. you. It's true. The winner is everybody. Yes. So. And those were my fake anime awards. Uh, what should we move on to next? We got video games, movies, and music. Oh, I okay. game so much, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can definitely talk about games, and I can definitely talk about movies. All right. Well, we move on to games. So I only had re- two real awards, unless you guys have any other real awards you wanted to add to it. Um, here, Let me see. So the only real wars were multiplayer co-op game of the year and game of the year. Um, there's plenty for worst game of the year. Okay, we can let's add that worst game of the year. <laughs> there's plenty for worst game of the year. But my fake category actually is the same as worst game of the year, kind of. So <laughs> let's talk about the best multiplayer or co-op experience we've had with video games this year. Well, I mean, gosh, Andrew and I had our own multiplayer co-op experience together this year. Oh which, yeah, which we we started campaigning Baldur's Gate three with each other, and like it's essentially playing a digital Dungeons and Dragons campaign with your best friend. I I don't understand how they were able to achieve such a marvel in net coding. It is phenomenal. They like they the spent fact like, what eleven years on the game. Uh, seven, I think it was. I can't remember when, cause, cause they had to, they had to make the beta. Then they released the beta and then had everybody play test the beta. So, so I don't know. I, I, I'd have to look it up and I don't want to right now. So there, but yeah, yeah, it was, um, uh, and it won game of the year, which thank goodness it, cause it, it better, right? Like yeah. the, there, there is legitimately no game that would be better than Baldur's Gate 3 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I am only able to say that so confidently because I'm not a big CRPG guy and and I put 140 hours into this game to beat it. But I'm not the example. Jonathan is. Because Jonathan doesn't even like to play Skyrim level RPGs. And here he is playing a full-on story mode, lots of interactions, and say like and he's like, I love this game, this game's so awesome, we should play co-op together. And so Jonathan is my gauge of, oh, this is this is a good game. Yeah. It, and I was actually surprised at how much I like this. I bought it on a whim because everybody else was. I legit felt to peer pressure on this game. <laughs> well, and and not only that, but you were like, ah, I think I'm gonna wait, like, to see how Starfield is, because you're like, I, I don't know if I'll buy Baldur's Gate or Starfield, and then you're just like, ah, I, I I'm not gonna wait. I'm just gonna buy Baldur's Gate. And thank goodness you did, because Starfield was wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, indeed. yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Oh yeah, like, yeah, we can bring that up, can't we? Huh. 
So for mine, I think the most fun I had with like multiplayer co-op this year. So it's a little game called Bread and Fred. And in Bread and Fred, you play two penguins who are trying to climb a mountain, but you each control penguin and you're tied together and you have to swing from one ledge to another to another and you fall a lot. And it's frustrating <laughs> to fall, but it's still very funny when you fall. Sounds like a getting over it sort of sort of game. It is a getting over it sort of game. I would actually. Or, uh, or what, what was that one that we played with four players? Heave Ho. Oh, Heave -ho. yes. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot like Heave Ho, but with two cute penguins. That's awesome. <laughs> I heard so, Bread and Fred. It's a yeah. good game. It's a, it is a lot of fun. Nice. So I'm curious about what you felt was the worst game of the year. Oh gosh. Well, let's um, let's go to also combine this with my because this will be a, a long discussion. But let's go to my fake category, which is best new triple A standard. <laughs> <laughs> and our nominees are Redfall, Modern Warfare Three, Overwatch Two. Forsaken, Lord of the Rings Gollum, Robocop Rogue City, or Starfield. Alright, let's crack this open here. Well it's here's a long okay. list. So <laughs> you Robocop actually had nominees. I, I just I just made winners. You actually yeah. went to the work and made nominees. So yeah. Rogues uh, Robocop Rogue City is actually a good game, but very indie. And mm. and so it kind of gets a pass. Because uh, people are actually enjoying RoboCop. Yeah, is that right? It looks so clunky. Oh yeah, no, but pe people are loving it. They're saying they're saying it's it it feels fun. It's it's just fun to play a shooting robot, and and you get to like throw bodies around a room. It, it's like what makes video games fun. That's that's yeah. the way that they put it. Interesting. Um, and so there's so there's that, uh, and Starfield is a game but it's a bethesda game and bethesda hasn't upgraded their mod their model for making games in over 15 years yeah um so so they're basically using an outdated like an old outdated way of playing video games but in the modern century when they should just rebuild a whole new engine yeah, for those of you who um, know of him or don't, you should totally check out the channel Nakey Jakey, and his uh, newest video is uh, what? What was it called? How Bethesda Start. makes games. Yeah, or, or um, Bethesda's oh, outdated way of making games. Something right. Like yeah, something about Bethesda and outdated. Um, but it's like a half hour long uh, little, you know, documentary that he does talking about how. Um, Bethesda's model of making games is no longer a good standard and it actually hurts the gaming industry. And it's so funny, yet so intelligently thought out through the whole thing that um, like it's it, it was a kind of hidden masterpiece on how he broke down the whole thing and, and just cracked the whole thing wide open. Yeah, uh, so so Starfield is a disappointment, but I would not give it the i honestly i would give i don't even know if i'd give it to redfall because redfall was a disaster and was unplayable on release but now it's gotten but, better but, but oh but they should not have released it that way um but both modern warfare 
and Overwatch released a DLC at full price. Well, granted, Overwatch was free, but you had to pay $70 to buy Modern Warfare for a campaign that does not exist and multiplayer maps that you've played in all the other in, in old Call of Duty games. It, it's not worth $70 at all. Do not buy Modern Warfare 3. I don't think there are any video games that are worth playing for $70. So um, I, can't, I can't remember if I've talked about this on a podcast before, but I talk about it with my students all the time. Um, so the way that the gaming industry works now, games should actually be sold at $120 for them to be worth it, um, which is the reason why the, uh, the DLC model has become a standard. So... Um, so they nickel and dime you after the fact because people are more willing to pay, you know, uh, $60. Yeah, $60. And then they can pay the rest of it off in increments if their model works. I mean, that's the whole reason why uh, uh, Rockstar Games is still doing as well as they are is because everybody is spending money on Grand Theft Auto Online, which I don't know why you would. I got it for free and it's not fun. Um, But they... You know, they still do that. They still release new content for it. And it's good content, too, mind you. Um, even though I just made the it's not fun, you know, crack at it. Like, it's, you know, they still release, like, game-worthy content. Um, but it costs money for each one of those things when they're just reusing the same assets and just making a couple of new models. You know, like, oh, here's a new bank for you to rob. You know, that takes, like, a couple, like, a small team of people. Because, like... 6,000 people touched, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto 5, which means that they have plenty, plenty of people to work on Grand Theft Auto 6 while they still make content for Grand Theft Auto 5. Mm. So, you know what I you know what I want to just throw out there as kind of like a congratulations uh, while we're talking about this category. And this is a no joke Fortnite. So Fortnite is a free game that you can play infinitely for free without spending any money and have the same experience as everybody else. Uh, It just depends on how many skins you want to buy or if there's a cool item that you want. But now they just released a free update with the new Chapter 5 Season 1 of LEGO Fortnite. Mm -hmm. So So now you have this full game that you can play infinitely for free and they put a whole nother game into it that you can play for free because lego fortnite is a completely different game but you just access it through playing fortnite um and it's literally just conan exiles you're you can play conan exiles inside of of fortnite but as lego characters it's incredible you can change the size of a character's penis yeah and you can (laughs) and you can enslave people it's crazy (laughs) so so no so no joke uh, so yeah, Conan, Conan Exiles, you can enslave people, make thralls, and they fight for you, and they protect your base and whatever. So in in LEGO Fortnite, you can build a town, and as long as you provide beds for people who visit your town, you can recruit them to have them stay in your town and go on adventures for them, which is basically that thrall system from, from Conan. That's funny. So... Yeah, so it's legitimately just Conan Exiles, but Lego Fortnite. It's it's insane. I can't believe they released it for free. It's it's awesome. Very cool. And and now I've added myself that I play Fortnite, but it's what can I say? It's fun. Fortnite yeah. is fun, guys. Play uh, yeah, twelve year olds play it. Go go stomp on some twelve year olds. It's fun. 
they deserve it. Uh, I, I mean, I, I still play Fall Guys. So, so <laughs> do you? That's a, that's yeah, I, I, I still play Fall Guys. I play it on my PlayStation. Not even. I would admit that. Sorry, Evan. <laughs> Bye. I'm out of here. <laughs> so what do you choose for your worst game of the year? Because it sounds like you're still in, like, trying to figure out which of these AAA titles or even indie titles are were, like, the worst experience. So originally when I wrote this, I was saying that Modern Warfare 3 was the worst game because it's just corporate greed at its best and um, and and just bad game design. It speaks volumes of how bad the gaming industry can be because of Modern Warfare 3. And then I was like, well, there might be some other gems out there. As to which I thought that um, Redfall was a good example of that. Um, because it was a disaster on release and everybody knew it, right? It was just like one of the worst things out there. However, I have to say that by a long shot, I think the thing that has stuck out in my mind the most, which is one of the first games that dropped this year, like in January, was Forspoken. And uh, it's just like a total disaster in story in, in engaging story you know in uh, writing in environmental design like the, like there's nothing interesting to look at in the game the main character is god awful annoying yeah it's a tiktoker it's just yeah <laughs> um the like the morals in the game are awful like it's just um it, it's it's so bad and unfortunately people have taken that trend and followed through with it especially in the character writing and we saw a lot of examples of that in 2023 game releases so um, I would have to say that the thing that left the biggest mark on on this like there was even a night where where our you know gaming discord got together and one of our friends like downloaded the I, I don't remember how big it was but like gigabytes gigabytes of data for the demo and we just like all watched and played and it was just like man this is even even fun to poke like fun at it's just boring it's just so boring so anyways I think Forspoken the way that you're making it sound like is how I felt a few years back when I played what was it uh, home was it Homefront the Homecoming or something like that where like uh, I, I, I got the. F it took me two weeks to download that video game to, to review, because at the time my the PlayStation Four Wi-Fi wasn't that great. Yeah. And I played like six hours of it before I just flat out deleted it because it was just so boring to look at. It was boring to play, and it it just it wasn't even worth making fun of because it's it felt so it, it just felt so generic mm -hmm. Homefront uh, is was that is that the one where like another country takes over America or something like that yeah so the first one is like North Korea takes over America and the first game yeah, was yeah, actually yeah. pretty good but the it was second, pretty decent for the time yeah 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 but the second game the home Homefront the home Homefront Homecoming something, something along those lines like just revamped the entire story and it was just 
so bad. So boring. Huh. I think I beat the first home front game in like a single weekend. That's what I remember from it. <laughs> yeah. But if I was to choose for this year worst game of the year, I would have to go with the with the Lord of the Rings Gollum game. Because yeah, not only is... not only was that release a disaster, not only was it a horrible game to play, but it was so bad that their developers was it Daedalic Entertainment basically said we fucked up. We're never making another video game again. We're just going back to publishing. Oh boy. <laughs> um, and and not to mention the disaster of the paid DLC that you could get for it, mm -hmm. which was all of the Elvish characters speak in Elvish. <laughs> you had to download a made-up language that like you couldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to pay money for it. Oh, yeah. And then the other ones were emotes, emotes that Gollum could do, which one of which was like he chased like a butterfly or something like that. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, very, very well deserved. OK. So let's move on to game of the year then. I have a feeling I know what you guys are going to say. Yeah, I mean, like for us, you know, we've already talked it up, but I think that that Baldur's Gate certainly has made an impression on not only uh, us individually, but like everybody this year. It changed the way that people think about how video games should be made. And there is an argument to say that, like, that's not true. You know, like, you know, pump the brakes on on that, that like all indie developers or and all AAA studios have like you know uh changed the way that games need to be made like mm -hmm. people jump the gun on that one a little bit and like game development is way harder than that but um but man individually they they triumphed real hard here you know what you know what was the best part though about Baldur's Gate winning game of the year is scrolling through Twitter and seeing all the Spider-Man freaks <laughs> seething, yeah, seething about it. Because I know like, Peter Parker. I know like, Peter Parker. Yeah, dude. It, like the unfounded nature of these PS5 fanboys and their their gay love for Spider-Man, just. <laughs> absolutely just blinding them to good game design it, it, like they the, they were just like oh like watch this scene and tell me that like Baldur's Gate really deserved uh, game of the year and it's like you just showed me a cutscene man yeah of course like a cutscene looks good like <laughs> it, it's like did you play like did you even play Baldur's Gate like did you develop your characters? Were the characters at the beginning of your game the same characters at the end of your game? Uh, was there like the egregious amount of glitches that were in Spider-Man when it was released? Um, it just it just didn't make any sense to me because they it, it just I shouldn't be as angry about it as as I am. I think I'm just annoyed. Uh, I'm not angry about it. I'm annoyed because I just sit back and laugh at the at the Spider-Man people because like, yeah, good. You like Spider-Man. But these people have these weird pseudo relationship with their game companies like your game companies don't care about you. You're you're a, you're a customer and you they sell you a product. 
Yeah. Like, who cares if you like their game over Baldur's Gate? If you like Spider-Man over Baldur's Gate, that's cool. But don't incessantly whine on the internet that it didn't win some fake arbitrary award <laughs> of game of the year. Like, enjoy. That doesn't mean it, you it, have to stop enjoying Spider-Man. It basically Gosh. it won the Cable Ace Award equivalent of video game awards. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> that, but that, I think that's like the the thing that I really want to hit home is is all these people are, are like, oh, I have to hate Spider Man now because because it didn't win Game of the Year. It's like no, enjoy your game. Who cares if it didn't win Game of the Year? Gosh. <laughs> um. So I would agree with you, but I never had the opportunity to play Baldur's Gate 3, you know, with my new job and everything like that. I don't have much time to play video games. Yeah. So my video game uh, of the year pick is a title that I I was very surprised by. When I first heard about its concept, I was expecting it to be just a very funny, maybe even a, a parody of horror games. But they managed to to actually make it very terrifying. And that game is called My Friendly Neighborhood. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've heard of it. So My Friendly Neighborhood is a video game where it's a survival horror title that takes place in a Sesame Street-like world. <laughs> and, like, the characters that you see, for the most part, they're cute-looking. They look like something that Jim Henson would create. But the way that the game is framed and the way that these characters come after you, they find a way to make them just really terrifying. That sounds like fun. It it is fun. But like I was expected to laugh more while watching this sort of a game, this sort of game. But I wound up like freaking out and shrieking in horror at so many parts. Despite the fact that these are like cute looking puppet characters that you're fighting off against. And I found it to be very impressive that they could take something that looks adorable and make it just really horrifying. Yeah, I'm looking at gameplay footage of it right now. Yeah, somebody, I I forget who it was, but like they compared it to like the very first original like Resident Evil game where it's like, the characters are kind of stoic until you get close enough to them for them to start attacking you. <laughs> but like, it's just the, the, the way that it was presented and the way that the game is played, and not to mention some really good puzzle aspects, good puzzle elements, some very creative weapons and the boss battles. Well, there were like only a couple of them, but they were pretty tough. Out of all the games that really came out this year, like My Friendly Neighborhood had stood out as the one that was the most original, most creative, and one that just really took me by surprise by its presentation. Like, I expected to laugh a lot while playing My Friendly Neighborhood. I wound up doing the opposite. I was terrified (laughs) playing this game. Nice. So that's why My Friendly Neighborhood is my game of the year. Great. Yeah. Awesome. So let's move on to the fake awards then. Oh, those were, I, I did triple uh, A. That was mine. Okay. <laughs> we already did it. All right. Well, I know I didn't play Baldur's Gate 3, but I still wanted to give it an award. And it's the, and I wanted it to give a very special award to it. And that award is best game where you can have sex with a bear. So Baldur's Gate 3, congratulations. You get that award. Sure. Yep. 
you you it is it's a druid but he is a bear <laughs> and it's, it, it doesn't make it any less weird it doesn't not <laughs> any less weird. my next award i call it junji ito's wet dream award and mm-hmm. that goes to world of horror now it's kind of a joke award but world of horror is a really good rpg game very impressive I feel like I've heard of it. The dude, like, used Microsoft Paint to create the whole thing, which is super impressive. And when you see just the level of detail he puts into the creatures, it's really cool. Now, here's my question, though. You're not giving it to the coffin of Andy and Lele? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> the thing that is has been just making its rounds on the internet of... It's basically a brother-sister incest game. Uh, and it, it has it has to do with themes of cannibalism and incest, where where basically the brother is a pushover and the sister is a crazy person who wants to like dabble in in cannibalism, so they go and kill their neighbors. And and it's it's an RPG style game, and it's it 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 took the internet by storm so much that freaks on the internet doxed the artist who turned out to be a girl. Yeah, because everybody's like, oh, it's got to be some, like, incel-smelly neckbeard who made it. Nope, it was a female. Uh, she's the artist. And uh, and who, who would have thought you make a horror game with weird themes in it? You know, like, it's not like it was promoting these themes. It's a horror game. It's supposed to be weird. It's supposed to be nasty. And and they, they doxed her and bullied her to the point where she said, well, I sold all my rights to the game to the, uh, to the publisher. I'm never making a game again. Goodbye. Uh, so, so the coffin of Andy and Lele deserves your money, not because it's a good game, but because it, it caused such a big controversy that it basically destroyed somebody's life. <laughs> Yowzers. It sounds like Pupa the video game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Kind of. Uh, so yeah, but if you haven't, if you haven't looked into it, Evan, check out, uh, check out the coffin of Andy and Lele. All right. I'll take a look into that. So I guess my next award is how many times are they going to release this thing award? And that goes to Resident Evil 4. Isn't this like the seventh or eighth time that they've released it? Um, Besides the original rendition of the game coming out on um, uh, like different systems Mm -hmm. over the years, they only did one remake of it, which is this one. But that being said, they are totally not going to stop this Resident Evil train from re-releasing all of the games that were already good and, you know, making sure that they can we can purchase them a second time and a third time and a fourth time. Yeah. Time and a sixth. time. Well, and the, the thing that makes it the thing that makes it exciting is is Resident Evil 2 remake is actually a legitimately good like it's the way a remake should be when you remake a game you change the mechanics you change the style of the gameplay but you but the horror and the horror was intense right Mm. so uh so Resident Evil 2 was a perfect remake but then after the success of that they were like okay let's just remake all of them and now they're going to be remaking Resident Evil 5 which is bizarre because it's not that old. Didn't everyone not hate, it, did everyone yeah, hate not, that game too? Yeah. No, uh, unfortunately, no. people with, with lesser intelligence love that game. But <laughs> that's a joke. I mean, Calm down. I mean, it, it, Calm down. 
It's still better than six was. Well, everybody, yeah, six was universally hated, and everybody. That's yeah. basically what killed Resident Evil. That's where they started over making all the remakes. Yeah, and stuff. Resident Evil. Like, actually, no, it's called Resident Evil Fellatio Giraffe. That's what it was called. That's right. <laughs> um, and you know what's actually really weird? They didn't remake Resident Evil One because they knew that Resident Evil Two was the best out of all the Resident Evil titles. Yeah. So that's why they made Resident Evil 2. But they still count the GameCube remake of Resident Evil 1, the Resident Evil remake, which is dumb because technically that one came out before Resident Evil 5 and they're remaking Resident Evil 5 and they still haven't remade Resident Evil 1. I mean, they haven't even remade Resident Evil 0 either. Technically, that's a newer title as well. Really? That's more... Dude, that game came out like what? 2000, dude, 20 years ago. <laughs> well, I mean, newer in the sense of like we're not talking about Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you mentioning that that came out 20 years ago like fired some membranes in my in my brain that <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, do you know in 4 years uh in 4 years uh, Final Fantasy 7 is going to be 30 years old?" And it's like, it's like oh, no, um, I'm old now. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's it's weird that they started at number two and they're not going back to number unless they unless they're really not making Resident Evil Five as a remake and they're gonna do Resident Evil One. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, we will see. We will see. My next award, I call this "How Was This Game Actually Good?" Award. So this was a award to a game that should have sucked but wound up actually being very good at entertaining. And that goes to SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shake. Yeah, I've heard things about that game. Yeah, so like, it felt like the proper sequel to Battle for Bikini Bottom. Which everybody still loves. Yeah, which a lot of people still love. The remake of that game was actually pretty good. And The Cosmic Shake continues on with that trend. And on top of that, the humor in the game felt like the golden era of SpongeBob. Not like the current really stupid era of Spongebob. Like, the jokes are funny. The the gags are funny. Like, it felt like this This is a game that should have come out, like, immediately after Battle for Bikini Bottom came out 20 years ago. Not scream loud make joke, or scream loud is joke. That's yeah. what new Spongebob is. Yeah, no, no. It's not like that, thankfully. My next award, Best Puns in a Game. Oh, boy. And that goes to the game... Vampire Survivors. <laughs> I love Which, that game. Yes. So let me give you an example. So, so this is for the creature known as Milk Elemental. Behold the blasphemy of lactomancy. These homogenized horrors were formulated to pulverize and pasteurize in the name of their intolerant milk mages. Any who've tried to cream them end up torn in half. And half. This entry has been condensed for those who prefer to skim. Isn't it funny that the guy who made this game doesn't even speak English as his first language? <laughs> I, I actually legitimately, I, I still play Vampire Survivors every once in a while, and it is just, like, such a fun game. You really? Um, yeah. yeah. I have it on my phone. It only costs, I've like... Never, I've never played it before. I've yeah. never played it. It's free on the phone. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Give it a try. And then I guess my final award. Let me see if I can tread carefully with this one. 
Uh, so it's a very not safe for work one. I'm calling it the fappiest game of 2023. <laughs> <laughs> and I am giving it to Flip Witch. Now, Flip Witch is a <laughs> game that I have mentioned a lot in our private chats. It is an adults-only Metroidvania game. But it's a very, very good Metroidvania game. It's not one of those games where it's like it, it's an excuse to do sexy things or show sexy things. They actually put work into the game design of it. The boss battles and mini boss battles are fun. The power-ups that you learn are great. And the sexy stuff is just a nice little bonus. Hopefully you don't get hunted down and your career is ended. No, no. <laughs> like the rest of them this year. Just like the rest of them. Yep. Shall we move on to movies? Movies. Movies. Yeah. So, I think we can all agree on what the worst movie of the year is this year. Oh my. Uh, I, I don't know if I was prepared for, for, for knowing or like being in the know on this one. What what do you say? I say anything Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. It's just I'm done with Marvel. I'm I'm really done with the Marvel cinematic universe. I'm done with watching all the Disney Plus TV shows. It's just just overly done. I'm just with, with the exception of the upcoming Deadpool 3, anything else that's come out or anything else that is coming out, I'm just done with it. I, yeah. um, I, I still, I mean, I'll, I'll go watch a Spider-Man movie, but, but I mean, superheroes in general are like, we, we, we're past the age. Of, it's, it's low and lowest common denominator entertainment. And it's for all the people who want to go out and buy the Funko Pop immediately afterwards, like which is lowest common denominator collectibles. So mm. I just, yeah, it's guys, it's it's not good. Go go watch some good film, please. Yeah, like let's 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 let Disney know that we don't care anymore. Because do we do we care anymore? I I haven't seen a I haven't seen a Marvel film since Endgame. And that was with me skipping a bunch of movies in between. Like I never saw Black Panther and I never never saw Civil War. I never saw, you know, Winter Soldier. Like so everybody's like, oh, you haven't seen all these films? It's like, no, I, I really haven't. I I just don't care. I don't know why everybody wants me to care about <laughs> about freaking Marvel. <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous, man. I'm telling Not you. Not to mention, didn't um, didn't they? Wasn't there something just released that they're never making another the Marvels or anything in the Miss Marvel series ever again because it just performs so badly that they're dropping the entire IP as a whole? Such a disaster. So, yeah, from what I understand, yeah, that's what I heard. Man, I feel, and I feel kind of bad because, like. I will admit that I did like Miss Marvel. No, not no. Captain was it? What's the first one? Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. I did like it. I know you guys didn't like it much, and I was disappointed with Miss Marvel, but I did like the final episode of that. But like, just the whole build up to all this is just one big disappointment. 
I'm gonna actually mention one, and it's it's a movie that we saw recently. Um, and while no, it's not the worst movie of the year, probably it had so many problems that like it has to be mentioned. Which um, was and and there's believe me, there's gonna be a ton of people who are gonna disagree with me on this, but like I'll throw the hat in the ring for uh, TMNT Mutant Mayhem. Oh being yeah, one of my least favorite movies to watch this year. I will admit yep. that I I did like it. I yep. will say that it's the most I have been entertained by a Ninja Turtles movie since Secret of the Ooze. That's fair. But I will understand why you guys probably did not like it. Um, can you, can you take a guess? Everybody talked like a TikToker. And, okay, and so it, I and, guess and, not. Oh, what? Oh, sorry. I, I, <laughs> I said, I said, can I want Evan to take a guess as to the reason why we didn't like it? Oh, yeah. No, no. Was, yeah, no guesses. I'll just tell you. Yeah. Uh, everyone talked like a TikToker. The, uh, so as soon as the movie was over, it was immediately dated. Because, like, in the future, nobody's going to talk like that anymore. And then the way that I compared it was the, the first movie I watched immediately after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was I watched the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. And even though it wasn't a great film, it was still more palatable than anything that Ninja Turtles gave me. Uh, it And I hate meta humor. Like, the whole age of the meta humor thing is the worst way that comedy the worst direction comedy could have gone like the whole, Oh, I just told you a joke. Now we have to explain the joke to you to tell you why it's funny. Isn't that funny? And that is the joke. And I don't understand why we have to have that. And that's what the whole movie was. Like whenever one of them told a joke, every single single Ninja Turtle had to explain like, Oh, Oh, you like it had to have this like little added. Yeah. This little added comment on it. Uh, and it I wasn't just, just once, it was the whole film. Yeah. I just and, wanted the characters to shut up for a second. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was, is nobody nobody shut up for the entire movie. Um, it's just Regarding the whole everyone talks like a TikToker, um, I will say that and I've noticed that even though the kids are speaking Japanese, my students speak a lot like they're trying to be either TikTokers or YouTubers. Oh really? Yeah. Um Wow. Apparently, it's common language now. I've heard this from I, online, but I've heard it from uh, from middle school teachers that apparently uh, the word chat is used in like common language now. Like when they say, okay, chat, like people just say that as common language. Which really? sends shivers down my what spine. Do you, what does that even mean? You know, you know like, chat. yeah, like. Okay, chat, clip that for me. So instead of like, okay, peeps, okay, people, like what? Right. Yep. Yep. Chat is your audience who is listening to you. We're getting old, dude. Everybody's, we are, we are getting everybody's old. Ter- every, everybody's terminally online, and we have to stop it right now. Yeah. We have to disconnect from the Matrix. I mean, there are so many people in this world that would just immediately die and or be useless if all the power went out like nobody because there's so many people who just do not have practical skills anymore that if we if we were if we were just shot back to the stone age through emp bombs or whatever we would be 
or a majority of people would be doomed. And I tell you what, you're not going to be able to buy my shelves, at least not for cheap. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I feel like sometimes there are days where I wish that we should have like a year off of the Internet. Just shut down the Internet for a whole year and see what happens. Get back to our senses. Not a bad idea. Like, have the only thing that works is GPS. So we can at least get around to your places. But everything else, just shut it down. Nah, man. Just turn MapQuest back on. And then you can complain to your co-pilot why you didn't make that turn that you were supposed to make. That's right. Still have nightmares about having to read the directions backwards from going to Six Flags and then I didn't. So when we were supposed to go south, I was telling my mom, you have to drive north and we got lost. I don't remember that. Oh well. <laughs> um, what else? There's. I feel like there's something else on my list here. I mean, like, enter, Into the Spider-Verse kind of had those oh, same shoot you're those right. same problems but oh our, yeah into, into the spider-verse was a disaster i again i enjoyed it but i do get where you're coming from because i feel like they i feel like they didn't step up the game with like with well no no across it's, the spider-verse across the spider-verse because into the right. spider-verse was great second movie i felt was just a repeat of the first one without any evolution but not only that, but it was worse. It was a worse version of it because it didn't have a story. It didn't have any arcs. It it had a beginning. It didn't have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It uh, it was filled with terrible advice. Like not not that the advice was terrible. It just didn't it didn't add anything to the movie. And they introduced three villains, and none of them finished their story arc. So, like, you just have three villains that are going to have to be uh, dealt with in the last movie, and that makes no sense. Yeah, did uh, we um, did we ever in, on any of our podcasts ever talk about the um, Across the Spider-Verse rewrite that I made that would help make it make sense? No, we didn't. Okay, so quite simple. And spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Across the Spider-Verse. Who cares? It sucked. But um, the, the idea that I have is that, so... What was his name? The Spot? Is that the, the villain? The, I think so. uh, the yeah, Black yeah, Holder. Yeah. Jake John um, Hall's so, character, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he. Oh, no, no, no. Jason Schwartzman. Ha- Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. I was so going to say, he, that was Jake John <laughs> So he should have been defeated in this movie it should that should have been the third act so the whole worry about this thing was that every spider-man has a death that they need to deal with great that is an amazing plot point that makes your characters have something at risk that they need to do so what you do is you actually have miles get back to his timeline and um, fight the spot because the spot is the one who has the the building fall down on his dad to kill him and that's his tragic backstory to become a Spider-Man but what happens or what should have happened was that he has that epic finale fight with the spot defeats him saving his dad and therefore ripping all of the timelines apart back to where they need to be and because he was bitten by a spider from a different universe he gets ripped back into that spider verse where he is supposed 
supposed to, where like the spider is supposed to be, but instead he goes there, and therefore you have the same exact ending, but you also have a conclusion to the spot story and his dad's story. Yep. So oh, easy. Good. Yeah. So easy. And they didn't do it. Yep. No, it's because it was a lazy film. It was a lazy film that they knew people were going to go see solely based on the fact that it was Spider-Man and it was the next movie. And not only that, but they had, what, three directors or three writers on the movie. And as soon as you hear that, you know it's going to be a disaster. But because one person should be writing a movie, guys. Let's let's cut it out with this Hollywood. We need we need teams to do whatever thing. Yeah, I'm not into it. Fair enough. But Hollywood's a disaster anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like we could all agree where Hollywood isn't a disaster, and I think it might be our shared movie of the year pick. It might be a shared movie of the year pick, but I think... Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling that we might have the same movie of the year. Should we all do, like, a one, two, three countdown? I don't I don't <laughs> yeah. even have something in mind. Oh, you don't? Okay, then Adam <laughs> and I will do it. Right. Ready? Three, two, one. John, John Wick. Wick. Yep. John Wick chapter four. Oh, okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> this Perfect is why we can't sync the ending of the show is because we can't even count down and and <laughs> say that. Was there something better than John Wick chapter four? There has to have been. I, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. So. I, get me, don't get me wrong. I like John Wick cha- chapter four, but I saw so many films this year. Uh, 2023. 20, you can keep going. I'm just going to look. Okay. So, all right. I, well, I have two others that could that could potentially stack up to John Wick Four, but I think that I'd still pick John Wick Four. Yeah. Um. So, at the bottom of the list, Super Mario movie was a lot of fun. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers movie was really good. I felt like mm, that's but, how you properly do like a Super Mario film. Yep. Yeah. But the movie. But it was a con- it was a concept film. It wasn't a real right. film. It was a it was a proof of concept to show that they could do it, and they did. Um, speaking of which, I am actually kind of psyched about um, about migration coming out from Illumination. Like that movie actually looks like a lot of fun. Um, but uh, the other movie that I think I might have had more fun watching than John Wick Four, the D and D movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, and not to yeah. mention, like, yeah. surprisingly good too. Surprisingly good came out of nowhere i think that might be oh god now now i'm like going back and forth between that and john wick chapter four yeah because that was a really good movie and i really hope they don't screw it up with the sequels because that was a good good movie to introduce us to this universe yeah and you know honestly i don't i don't necessarily think that they one need to do a sequel but two i don't necessarily think they need the same cast of characters either like they could just do a completely different story altogether because dungeons and dragons has different stories you guys create your own different stories yeah exactly exactly but you know that but hollywood is dumb so that they know that that's not how it's gonna go yeah they're gonna they're gonna try to franchise out this this one team not to mention the humor in the Dungeons and Dragons movie is like the complete polar opposite of the meta humor. Like the, the yes. jokes, yeah. the gags, they were legit hilarious. I think I will vouch and say that the graveyard scene was probably my favorite oh, the, scene. The, dude, the, the, the speak with dead joke, the speak with dead joke, because not only is that a good joke in general, it's a good mechanical joke as far as Dungeons and Dragons goes, period. 
Because because yep. it's a question it's a question that everybody asks. You know, like players. The dungeon. Oh, dude. But mm. even still, though, like the. I think that my funniest moment in the entire movie was um, uh, the uh, illusion, the small illusion joke. <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, minor illusion. Minor illusion. Yeah, where um, Chris Pine actually starts to like warp because he's losing concentration. Yes. So good. That was a and, really good effect too. Yeah, and one it, of the, it one was of the so things- convincing. One of the things that I pointed out when we were watching the movie that I don't think anybody else noticed, but um, so when you play Dungeons and Dragons, uh, all your turns take six seconds. So that's movement, action, bonus action, six seconds. Uh, And so there's the part when the tiefling is running through the dungeon and uh, she's the weasel. She turns into the weasel or or the mouse and she jumps out the window and she's falling and she falls and she falls and she falls and then she turns into a bird and, and and flies away. It's because it takes six seconds to transform because it is an action to transform into an animal. So I thought that was that was really kind of clever that they use like the whole mechanics of how long an action takes in order for her to actually switch animal forms. Uh, now, OK, now I feel like that we should be giving this the movie of the year. And now, now that you're saying that, and maybe John Wick Chapter Four gets the hardcore movie of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and you guys are talking about gags, like your favorite gags in the movie. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than the the beginning of the movie when he's explaining his backstory to the to the court, and he's just like, "Are you sure Turris isn't here? Like, is like, can we wait for him? He's really important to this because because all he wants to do is jump out the window because he's an Arakora. Yeah, and. And like so, and then he just shows up at the end, and he grabs him anyway, and jumps out the window, and they escape, and and they're like, oh, we, we were gonna set you free, like that, and and then and then it pays off at the end of the movie, right? Like yeah. it's it's so funny, like mm-hmm. it it was such a it was a D and D campaign, it it felt like a D and D campaign, it it oh, dude, it was so good, it was so 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 good, yeah. yeah. I think I'd be I'd be more than happy to change my movie of the year to that. Actually, now, yeah, because we, 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 on- we we've spent more time talking about that than John Wick Chapter Four. Yeah, well, because honestly, John Wick Chapter Four isn't even my favorite John Wick. I thought it was okay, and and that's that's why I said like uh like is John Wick my favorite? Eh, like I wasn't really sure because honestly, there were just some better films than John Wick Four. That doesn't mean I don't like John Wick Four, but meh. It, it could have had a better ending. John Wick 4 could have had a better ending. I don't know. I felt like there was meaning to the ending. There was, but I, I, the fact that they didn't bring back any of the old characters and it just felt like another movie, it didn't tie together full circle. It just, it was missing a lot for me. Um, it was August a good movie, but it's, it, it, it's missing a lot as far as John Wick goes for me. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh my gosh! I just I'm on face. I'm scrolling through Facebook, and somebody is played a video of like how did Spider-Man lose to a game uh, to Baldur's Gate? It's like, dude, like play a game that actually lets you make your own choices rather than Spider-Man like pretending you get to make your own choices. <laughs> so I think we're moving on to the fake awards for the movies. So my first award is 
Movie moment that was supposed to be funny, but instead made me cry like a little Nancy Boy award. <laughs> and that goes to the cameo at the end of the film Quiz Lady. And I think John Starr is the only one who knows what I'm talking about. Um, and it's not like so much of a spoiler that we can't talk about it. It's like just at something that's at the end of the movie. There's this joke in the film where one of the characters has this crush on Alan Cumming. And she claims to have a picture of him, but it's actually Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Mm. And, and at the end of the movie, Paul Rubens shows up and pretends to be Alan Cumming for the woman. Yeah. And like, if Paul Rubens didn't die, it would I would have been laughing my ass off. But mm-hmm. because he passed away, I just had this like crying moment of like, Pee Wee, you came back, kind of a feel. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, that was just a good movie overall, too. It was a good movie. It was. It's not a movie of the year, but that was a good film. I I will say, I, I wish Will Ferrell did more films like that. I wish I could see that side of him more in movies. Right. Not just a goofy, crazy character. Because yeah, I thought that it was actually going to be a disaster with him in that role. But no, he actually played it to so much respect for uh, Alex Trebek. That it was so res- just so great. Yeah, absolutely. Made the film for me. Agreed. That whole bow tie scene too. That, yeah, th- yeah. That was exactly. a close second for like, oh my god, I'm tearing up. Just that whole bow tie story, like wh- what each bow tie means and everything. Just such a good film. Yeah. My other fake award is movie song that was funny at first but then kind of got annoying as the year went on. Uh, and that goes to Peaches from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh my gosh. Dude, so, yeah, like, I I agree, because, like, I get it, but you you know that, because Bowser in the movie being played by Jack Black was great, because it was Jack Black playing a character but then as soon as the Peaches song started playing, you can tell they were like, hey, we need a viral video that we can release to children and that they can laugh. And all of a sudden, Bowser was just Jack Black again. He wasn't Bowser. He was just Jack Black being Jack Black. And they did it. They made a TikTok video that, yeah. that you can post. And that's all it was. It was just a TikTok video and it, and it went viral. I mean, I'm glad that they went back to Jack Black being Bowser after that scene, but... I mean, but Bowser was in the movie for what, like a total of maybe five minutes of screen time. There's got to be more you know, than that. So Fifteen uh, wasn't that. I mean, I mean, Luigi was in it for just as long, and Luigi was the one that was in there for like five minutes. Yeah, he got robbed, especially because it was Charlie Day and he was awesome. Mm. Uh, but, but yeah, I even as much as I love the Mario Brothers movie, I've always hated the Peaches song. Like, I never thought it was funny. I was just like, because it, it took me out of the movie, because it just it just made me think of Jack Black. Okay. <laughs> and again, like I said, funny at first for me, but now it's just, I could do without it. At least it got kids to stop singing Let It Go for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And are you with that. And I guess my final award is the Fuck You Award, and that goes to Warner Brothers and their dumb tax break shit. <laughs> Which one was that? Basically, every, dude, they've like gotten rid of a lot of shows and movies, and like 
that you're never going to see oh. again because tax write-off. Because yeah. they destroyed, they basically destroyed the entire catalog for um, Max. Yeah, uh, Max. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, I watched Scream Six, and so I I love the Scream series. Uh, like it's it's I think I in my opinion Scream is probably one of the greatest slashers of all time. But all the movies have different degrees of goodness and Scream 6 was at the bottom, like straight to the bottom yeah. of of the worst Scream movies ever made. A lot of people have said that. Yeah, and like number 5 as as a remake was actually pretty good. But Scream 6 just it was honestly a disaster. Uh, doesn't mean I won't see Scream Seven because I totally will. Because the the rumor is is that they're going to bring back, um, Sydney, the the original girl from Scream, who is in who is in all of them basically. Uh, they said that they're going to bring back Sydney, which also makes me believe that if they're going to do that, they're also going to bring back Matthew Matthew Lillard as Stumacher. Because I'm telling you, dudes, from Scream One. Stu Mocker did not die. I'm telling you, they never showed. They, I mean, they he got a TV dropped on his head, but that would not kill somebody. I'm telling you, Stu Mocker is alive, and it would be the greatest thing ever, especially with his appearance in Five Nights at Freddy's. Like with Matthew Lillard being in Five Nights at Freddy's, it makes me believe that they're putting like their finger on the button of of bringing Matthew Lillard back into horror. And so if he comes back as Stu Mocker, it'll be the best screen movie ever. Matthew Lillard has been a horror king ever since he played Shaggy permanently. Yeah, that's right. He was the best part of that terrible movie, 13 Ghosts. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot like that. I'm looking forward to watching uh, the last episode of Monk, which is the movie that they released this uh, Monk's this Final week. Case. Monk's Final Case. So that is a... That is a 2023 movie, so I might as well just throw it in the ring that I am looking forward to watching that soon. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. So let's end things off with music. So I have only three categories for this. Artist of the Year, Song of the Year, and Album of the Year. Oh, boy. Mm. Oh, boy. All right. All right, right, Spotify. What you got for me? All right. Let's start with Artist of the Year, because I actually have three different bands or three different artists for Artists of the Year, Song of the Year, and Album of the Year. I don't have any repeats. Hey, that's awesome. I I need to I, I need to lead or be led by example, I think, for this one. Alright, uh, so for Artists of the Year, so, you know, as someone who's living in Japan, I'm getting a lot deeper into the Japanese music scene. Yes, but, you are. But there is, there is a group here that have really blown up this past year. And it's a group that I've been kind of following for the last few years. And I actually got to know them more from their from their comedy, from their skits they would do on YouTube, than their actual music. And this yeah. year was the year where like their music really blew up. And on top of that, they had a lot of success with performing overseas. They had a sold-out... Uh, tour of America. They're going to be playing next year in Europe to some sold-out shows. And right now, they are in the midst of doing their first show at Budokan. 
And that <laughs> band is called Atarashi Gakko. I think, yeah, you must have talked to, about them at some point yes. else on the podcast because they sound really familiar. Yeah, so Atarashi Gakko, they dress up as schoolgirls, but they're all really in their 20s. And like mm. they do mixture of pop, funk, hip hop, jazz, and they do all of their own choreography. And not to mention, like they write most of their own songs too. They're they're one of the best do-it-yourself kinds of groups out there. It is not a rare th- thing nowadays. It is a very rare thing. I mean, yeah, once in a while they'll have someone they collaborate with on a song, but for the most part, everything that Atarashi Gakko does is from these four women who have been part of this group since the beginning. Nice. Um, they're just great. And I'm actually going to be going to the Budokan show which just so happens to be landing on my birthday. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah, so yeah, Atarashi Gakko, they are my artists of the year. Andrew, who was that um, that band that you showed me at Boston Comic Con? It was like that girl band that did like real death metal stuff. Oh, uh, Hanabiye? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That was, one, that was the one that I showed you too, Evan. Yes, I actually follow them on uh, Instagram. No, they they are very good. Oh yeah, they're awesome. They're, they're fun. great. I just um, popped in my head. Nothing, nothing more than that. But shout out. Um, I don't know. Uh, what 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 category are we on right now? Artist, Artist. of the year. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I mean, I have a feeling that all three of my answers are going to be exactly the same because it needs to be for what what is it? it we're we're doing uh, artist album and then song. Artist song album. Artist song album. Gosh. I have to give it to Twilight Force, man. My favorite band releases a new album this year, and... Boy, do I love it. It's not a perfect album. Uh, No, but it's not... it's, It's... it's not it's it's not like their their third album. Their third album still remains at the top. It, it is the best album. Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean, Beast and Black didn't release an album this year, and they should have because because if they're following their uh, two two year model of every two, every two years they release an album because that that probably would have been the best. But they're too busy touring America. They were, and we got to see them. <laughs> um. um. Gosh, I don't know. A Secret Ending released a new album this year too. A Secret Ending really kind of deserves all the everything that he gets too. Because, but of course, yeah. I'm, I'm literally in the top zero one percent of his fans because he only has like five hundred followers. So, and and I, I'm I'm just shocked that people don't know who he is at this point because he is one of the most talented deathcore artists out there I've ever seen. I mean. If it comes down to it, I think I really think that the only, um, the only only band or the only artist that has released anything completely brand new this year that I listened to actually was Twilight Force. Myself, um, I you know me, I'm I'm very short on the on the musical discovery list, especially when it comes to new albums. So I think that was the only one that I I really I really did this year. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, Rise of the North Star. So we had Rise of the North Star, Twilight Force, Secret Ending, uh, Rabbit Junk released a new song. Not a new album, a new song. Actually, did they? Mm-hmm. Did Rabbit Junk release a new album? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, gosh. Well, I, I have know. a song. I like. I when, when we get to that category, I have a song. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Cool. So when we move on to that song, 
Yeah. So even though they didn't release a new album this year, uh, Sabaton did release a new song and it plays on loop for me quite often, which is the first soldier um, on their uh, their war to end all wars EPs. Actually, I think it was called like is it heroes of heroes of the battlefield. I forget mm. what they're something along those lines. Yes. Yeah, but they so it was remixes of all of their previous tracks uh, or remasters. I forget which which way it goes, but they did have one brand new track on that album, and it was the first soldier. And man, is that song really good! Really, <laughs> really good. It makes me wonder why they didn't release it as part of World War to end all wars. Right. Yeah. Well, dude, they probably write so much material. It's it's. I mean, <laughs> they just have libraries. <laughs> I mean, some some uh, bands I know actively with withhold songs, and that they cut from albums so that people will be interested in buying EPs when they come out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's almost like a DLC. It's like a DLC pack. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I'll probably say that for me, as far as like a song goes. The Sunlight Night, yep. the Sunlight Night off of Twilight Force, is probably the is probably the best song that came out this year. However, the the Rise of the North Star one love single that they released from before their new album was was a banger, and I still listen to that a lot, like almost daily, especially when it comes up on my playlist. I'm jazzed. Uh, however. The song that actually made it into my most played uh, Spotify uh, Spotify list uh, was um, was "Fight Me Erebus," which is the new single from Rabbit Junk, oh, and yeah. and that song is so good. Uh, it because it's 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 like you know it's that whole JP Anderson thing where he's just like ah, I'm gonna write whatever I want, right? Where you just have no idea what he's gonna write next, and it's this drum and bass like space rock thing and it's it's so it was it was such a good single it was a perfect single uh no album that dropped alongside of it uh but but you know he can he can pretty much drop whatever he wants whenever he wants because he's his own he's his own producer so yeah uh, fight me erebus was was a really good song this year mm. very good choice there um i gotta give it to one of my all-time favorite bands, Queens of the Stone Age. They released mm-hmm. a pretty good album this year with In Times New Roman. But the song off of that album that I found myself listening to the most was a song called Emotion Sickness. And it's very easy to know what the song is about, knowing what has happened with the frontman Josh Homme and his now ex-wife. <laughs> um... In fact, a lot of people say this is the best contribution to music that his wife, Brody Dale, from The Distillers, has ever given. Or (laughs) ex-wife, rather. (laughs) And it's basically a song about, well, you broke my heart. Uh, You don't care about me. So I'm going to let you go. And it's done in the most sexiest way. It is, it is such a good song. It's a song that I've been listening to the most out of everything this year. 
And like I say, like Josh knows how to turn heartbreak and make it turn it, make it something that you can kind of dance to. Mm. So that's my song of the year. Great. All right. And our last category, album of the year. And Andrew, I think I know what it's going to be from you. Do you? I don't know. I don't know. I guess it has to go to Twilight Force. That's the only um, new album that I have too. So, well, unless unless uh, because uh, I mean, if you Jonathan, if you want to hear something different from me, it's got to be the new Secret Ending album. Yeah. Because if if you want to give it to Twilight Force, that's totally cool. Uh, Wintervale was a was a was a good album. Uh, but if you want to hear something a little bit different, uh, definitely. Uh, what was the album called? Because uh, it, it has one of those funny names. Uh, a secret ending. Uh, Hexameron, the Hexameron album. It's basically about the seven day, or yeah, uh, the seven day creation of the Earth, uh, uh, of the of the biblical creation. And so every single every single song on the album is is one day of creation, and it's awesome. Technically six days because God rested on the seventh one. Correct, and uh, so there's only six. There is only six tracks, but it is about creation. Uh, and uh, and and dang, I mean, so so he he's a one man band, right? So so he you know produces, sings, composes, does all the instruments, then does all the symphonic stuff afterwards, and he must be familiar. He must be one of the most musically talented people because he has to be familiar with every single part of the band to produce and not only that but he makes his own music videos to go along with them because because he also makes all the other lyric videos in in the scene and so he produced this whole album on his own and this is a guy that i can reach out to per, uh, personally because he recognizes my name now because i comment on everything that he does <laughs> that even though he even though he makes his own album artwork i am two seconds away from reaching out to him and just being like yo i will give you an album artwork for free like I would like it's always been my dream to do an album artwork. I love your work so much. I will do an album cover for you. Don't ask, just bring it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so it, it's it, for me for me the new the new um secret ending album is well deserved. Very cool. Cuz every sing, every single song's a hit. Every single song's a banger. Yeah, very nice. I've got to give it to a band. It's been 11 years since their last album and they finally returned with something new this year, and it did not disappoint in the slightest. And that album is The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons by The Hives. Oh, and yeah. this is just a good, old-school, balls-to-the-wall rock album. And, like, <laughs> every single song on this, on this CD, on this album, is just a complete banger. From mm -hmm. its opener, Bogus Operandi, Countdown, The Shutdown. It's one of those albums where, like, everything on there sounds like it's a punch in the face, but a much-needed punch in the face, wake-up kind of song. And it just, and it's absolutely an album where you can tell, like, everybody in the band was having a blast recording it. Like, these, sometimes you get an album where it feels like, Half of these songs are going to be played live, and then the other half, not so much. Like, every song here sounds like something that, oh, I want to hear how this sounds in person. Very cool. Waiting 11 years for a new album from The Hives, it was very much worth the wait. 
Mm. I had some fake awards, but I don't want the Taylor Swift fan base to kill me, so I will skip out on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke itself right there. You did it. Yep. All right. And that concludes the Muckies, the 2023 Muckies. That was fun. I know we're going a little bit long here, but I will say this. 2023 for me has been a phenomenal year. Like, the fact that I now live in Japan, the fact that mm-hmm. I have this great job working as an English teacher, the fact that I get to experience things in person that I have been dreaming of experiencing for years. Like, it's been a ride this year, and I look forward to seeing what I'm able to accomplish next year in 2024. Oh yeah, me too, dude. I can't wait. I can't wait to get all the updates. Oh yeah. yeah. And as I've said in the past, and like I mean this in the best way possible, I hope you never come home. <laughs> That's my plan, dude. Like I, I have mentioned <laughs> this. Like I've mentioned this on my sh- on past episodes. Like this is where I want to be. Like this is where I want to find love. Where I want to raise a family. I want to put my kids through the school system here. It's this is, this is where I want to build my life. As much as that means that I won't see you guys again. Well, I hope you guys will come out and visit me. I really hope you guys do. All the more opportunities, the longer you stay there. Absolutely. How do you feel about 2023, guys? Oh, I mean, heck, I'm releasing a third book. Um, I I got uh, a full convention circuit down. Uh, I made made new fans met people made money uh based solely on my own project um i i I do work a new part-time job but i absolutely love it uh so i mean you know getting to see my bank account in the red and and going up is is just knowing knowing that i'm accomplishing everything on my own you know on my own merit and 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 making a product that people legitimately enjoy is is just the greatest but of course i've been doing that i've been doing that for years but this is the first year where i've actually been out in public and and doing doing the convention circuit so uh i i I loved it i i absolutely loved it very cool and john how about you you know it's funny because my year was fine you know i don't have any complaints i have some good new memories and i really don't think that there's been anything that has been any sort of hiccup this year that makes me say, yeah, 2023 is a forgettable bad year. I don't think that's true. Um, but I've had a lot of fun doing things this year. Uh, you know, just having my my job, you know, going on as per usual and, you know, being able to assist all of my friends with some cool projects. Like, I'm, I am so happy to be able to do the convention circuit with Andrew, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, like if someday that sustains us to, for the two of us, just do conventions forever. We'll do that, you know, <laughs> and uh, I'll quit teaching. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, it, like I got no complaints. What, what is there that is to be complained about? Yeah. What is that? I really, really don't complain? know. And <sighs> The fact that other than Spider-Man didn't win, didn't win game of the year. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. That one's going to be a hard one to get over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, this was a good year. This is a great year. And I think we can continue building on greatness as the years go by. 
And might I just say that um, this podcast that we're doing now is totally right for us, you know, and that we're we're finally getting like we have a solidified way to keep in touch with our friend who lives on the other side of the planet now. And, you know, we are doing the thing that we are moderately good at. Yeah. And, <laughs> and making making absolutely nothing from it. We don't even care if people listen to it or not. We're just kind of yeah. making it for us yeah. to kind of hang out. Absolutely. A record of our hangouts. That's right. Right. And I like this. It's it's kind of like bringing things back to what it was with the Wicked Anime podcast, but at the same time, you know, bringing something new to the table. Uh, whether right. it's you know talking about traveling or concerts or whatever. Yeah, yeah we, way less we pressure. Talk about whatever. Yeah, yeah, we talk about whatever. And I know some people will are are missing what I did with No Borders No Race, but I hope people will understand that I. I needed to take a break from that because I've, yeah, I've been doing that for practically at least one episode a year since 2006 as a college radio show. And I needed to have the opportunity mm. to just be a fan of Japanese music and not worry about having to promote it as much. And hopefully once I feel like I've really dove deeper into the music scene here, now that I'm actually am here, maybe, just maybe, I'll find a way to bring it back in the future. But for now, Dakamaka Japan is going to be the show where you're going to hear me, AFLM, John Starr, and when he's not sick, Elite Four Derek. And maybe, just maybe, our security guy, Greg Guy, will come and show up from time to time. I hope so. Hey, we have all these other cool guests, too. Oh, I know, I know. There are episode ideas that have been swimming through my head, and I hope you guys look forward to those shows. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, that wraps up this week's episode of Dakamaka Japan. That wraps up 2023 of Dakamaka Japan. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at KingBabyDuckESH. And, of course, on our B3Crew.com website, you can read the latest reviews in manga, anime, video games, and anything else in the pop culture realm. Andrew, how about you? Well, if you want to see what I'm doing, you can go to SolarianSun.com and read my webcomic, Solarian Sun, for free. Uh, I just posted up to page 200 and a- 279 this week. Uh, for free, uh, which is up to chapter 10 of the series. However, if you want to be a subscriber and become a member of Solarian Sun, you can head to patreon.com slash AFLM. For as little as $5 a month, you can read up to and over 657 pages um, as of this recording, uh, where I am constantly updating and there will be more pages weekly. Uh, and uh, finally, the third book is coming out in hard copy, and you can support me over at kickstarter.com, where you can find volume three, pre-subscribe to the to the launch page so that you can get your notifications when it officially launches on January 12th, which is a Friday of 2024. And with that, uh, I can also take international subscriptions uh, so if, if you can't get a hard copy because you're international, but you can get it digitally still, 
uh, through through the campaign and get the whole story uh, right up front there and all the rest of them at a discount. I'll be selling discount prices. So go to, go check that out. Support my work. Support indie indie artists. Very cool. And John Star. You can check out my mediocre artwork at The Line Block on Instagram. And otherwise, I am going to be continuing my journey as setting personal bests in classic Tetris. Please stop calling your work mediocre. You do good work. <laughs> uh, I've never lost my my self-deprecation <laughs> days. But, uh, yeah, when it's compared to, to work like Andrew's and... It's it's often like so I, I've always been a storyboard artist um, at heart. I, I have really good angles and ideas for things that are just like these little sketchy ideas. Um, but when I fully flesh out my my artwork, it's it's fine. I find it OK. But isn't that just the heart of any artist just finds their work? OK, well, you do a really good job. You wrote a you actually wrote a book this year, I believe. Yes, I did. Uh, wow, actually, was that this year? Wow. It, it was. So, you know something? That is something that I totally should have mentioned for uh, 2023 uh, being a successful year. Yes, I did write a book. And, and unfortunately, it is not available. It was for my master's degree. But I do. I am also a published artist, uh, published author. You should so. find, I, I think you should, at the very least, find a way to release it digitally. Because I think you did a really great job with that book. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I actually am very proud of that book. So I, I could find a way to digitally release it for free. Um, who knows? Maybe it could be a, uh, a stretch goal for Andrew's campaign or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's actually a good idea. I like that. I like that. Keep going with that idea. <laughs> all right. So, guys, good 2023. I think we can all yeah, agree indeed. that this has been a very successful year for all of us yes 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 it is so until you hear from us because we'll be taking a break we'll be back in january and i'm certain we'll have a lot to talk about when we come back from the holidays so yeah until next time this is your king baby duck aflm john star reminding you if you're gonna chase your dreams make be sure, sure you run a run a run amok <laughs> He did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. K bye. K bye. Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's Merry right. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. K bye. Happy Krampus Day. <laughs> Happy Snowflake Day.